Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit and welcome back to another one-off special. I'll keep this intro brief guys as this is a mammoth episode in itself. This week we are discussing the topic of mental health or as we're now calling it, mental well-being and mental ill health. The reason for this change in language will become clear, don't worry. We are joined by Danny Bourne, a mental health activist and professional who day in, day out, tries to help others improve their mental well-being, whether that's through his brand In The Dead Ground or Catalyst Do. Guys, we cover a lot in this episode, but it has been broken down into segments separated with a music interlude, so if you do find you need a break, wait for one of those. I also want to say a big thank you to everyone who got in touch on our Instagram references topic. We spend quite a while at the end discussing what you guys sent in and to be so open, like some of you have been, it isn't easy, but what you've done, you've allowed us to address certain issues and points, but to a much larger audience and potentially someone who needed to hear it. So thank you so much for being so open with us. Anyway, as I said, long, long episode. So enough from me, let's get into this week's episode. Good evening. Good evening, gents. How are we doing? Good. Good. Oh, hello. A third voice again. We are out of control, aren't we? I think for the last four weeks now, three, four weeks, we've had a guest on. Um, so yeah, we're back again. We've got another guest on. But once again, it's not a chat with a PT. It's a one-off special. And we've got Danny join us today. And we're going to be talking about, as you probably heard from the intro, that I have recorded, uh, not yet, uh, about I mental didn't health. Well, yeah, because I've done it. <laughs> God's sake, Tom. <laughs> 30 seconds in. And, uh, Tom's already caused a chaos, brilliant. Uh, but yeah, Danny, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. No, oh, you're very no, welcome. It's been on the cards for a while. Um, something I want to make clear because I'm fully aware that it is Mental Health Month. And this episode has been on the cards for quite a while. This is not us jumping on a potential bandwagon, mm. some people might like to say. This is something me and Tom spoke about off air, actually, on Serious yeah. Is that around this time of year, there was, I think it was last week, was it? Was it Mental Health Week last week? Mm. Was it on paper? There is there is numerous different yeah different days and weeks. Last and week was the official awareness. The official. I'm sure we'll discuss our thoughts maybe on the whole fact of it having a month and a week and stuff. But yeah, is that is is around this sort of time. But this episode was on the cards for quite a while. It just happens to have fallen onto this official, yeah. as uh, Danny put it, uh, a month. I mean, it's actually something we spoke about, like a re- doing eventually anyway um well back i can't remember who it was a previous guest i think it might have been with uh jason glazebrook um possibly mm-hmm. where the topic of mental health came up particularly in the uh, in the armed forces and at the time we just didn't feel comfortable enough to talk about it but uh yeah obviously things have changed since then we feel like we've got a guest on that um we, we feel comfortable enough to talk about it with Tom, you know when you said you didn't feel comfortable what did you mean as in you didn't like yeah that, that's I'm probably not supposed to ask the questions, but there we go. Here we are. No, Daddy, take over, mate. He's done go, the bro. old Uno. Brace. He's done the switcheroo on us. Yeah, Uno, yeah, oh my switcheroo. God. I've never been in the interviewer chair now. I've shit myself. Uh, fucking yeah. hell, what do I do? Um, no, no, no. That's a, that's a really good question. Obviously, we're going to try and be as open with the questions as possible um, because we need to kind of destigmatize mental health, etc. Um, I think at the time, it was a simple case of, in regards to mental health, I'll be 100% honest with you. Like... Um, I know we're currently in the midst of like a mental health crisis, but in regards to the mental health crisis, um, I just simply don't know how to approach it. And, and it's, 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 I'm being 100% honest. Um, you know, I know that there's um, a big stigma around mental health. I know that it affects people day in, day out, whether they're in the military, or in a civilian job, man, woman, you know, child, etc. 
However, I just simply don't know how to approach it. Yeah, and that's kind of why we said we didn't want to go into it too much back then. Simply because, yeah, if we don't, mm. you know, stay, stay in your lane, as I say, I suppose. And I know everyone, as we'll come on to, everyone can talk about mental health. Everyone's got mental health. But yeah, when you put a podcast out to lots of people, <laughs> you've got to be careful what you say, haven't you? So yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about for the bulk of the episode. Before we get started, Danny, we are going to do something first. As I said, it's not chat and PTs, but, but we are going to have to do this first. We are going to do a bit of an icebreaker and we're going to establish your top gym pet peeve and we're going to use are we using the, the scale Tom are we using the obvious oh yeah I, f- I feel like I'm comfortable enough that we can use the RPC scale here oh the RPC yeah. oh, okay, RPC. we can go oh, well oh, back oh. into it you know oh, we've all, all right go on then we, we've, we've all dug trenches here um, you know <laughs> well, well, I, I used to sit back and watch but that's a different story uh, but yeah RPC scale rate of perceived country so in a gym based environment we tend to use the <laughs> RPE scale rate of perceived exertion on a scale 1 to 10 basically how rough an exercise is at the time but in regards to gym pet peeves we've got the rpc scale so on a scale of one to ten ten being that is just full-on total shit country there as opposed to one which is that wasn't very cuntish at all that was quite pleasant that's the rpc scale so yeah daddy what's, what's your pet peeve mate this is you know i've had i've thought long and hard about this and actually what i think there's a lot of things in the gym and the, you know that physical fitness side of the world where, where I look at and I might be a bit like it's a bit bizarre or you know and this question's probably I could probably give you a couple of answers for this in terms of if you're asking me now or if you were asking me five years ago or 10 years ago because the answers would be very different because like now to be fair if I see someone doing some crazy exercise and you know all the rest of it it doesn't bother me really, and 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 that's genuine because I, I look at them and I think fair play, you you're getting amongst it, whatever it is that you're doing, and you know that 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 is that. Um, I think if I was going to give you a pet peeve, I'm going to go on a bit of a I won't say a massive tangent, but just a slight thing, and I'd say it's more to do with the industry than the actual gyms themselves. And actually, Tom, you've kind of already brought it out in a really, a really nice, authentic way. Is um, and not as in that you're guilty of this, by the way. But like, I find when we talk about lanes and whatever else, and I'm, and again, I'd, I would, I would not never say stay in your lane because that's like a bit over the top. But I think my biggest pet peeve would be physical trainers talking about mental health when they have no actual genuine interest in the topic no knowledge on the topic and Mm. quite frankly i think more than likely it is a marketing thing um because and and the reason why i say this is i i I like having a chat with people in the gym i've I, i started working in a gym when i was 15 so 20 years ago um you know, I've, I was a PTI in the army eight years while I was in quite big on mentoring. So I, I'm always like, if there's young PTs, um, I'm always not just willing. I, I actively want to have dialogue with them. And, you know, we've had, I've, I've been in dialogue before and someone's asked kind of like, what do you do? And we get into the, you know, I talk about the, you know, my, my businesses or whatever else. Mm. And then, like, 
you know, this is a, a real conversation that I'm talking about. Then one of the PTs who was standing there was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I told on mental health a lot. And I said, all right, fair, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and then the other, that one lad, and he just, you know, I'll never forget the way he's, what he said. He goes, I've used that angle as well. And I was like, it's not a fucking oh. angle. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. And that was like, and I, I did say, you know, I, he, this was a, you know, a young lad and actually, I think he's he's a good. I don't think there was anything conceited or you know trying to be sneaky about it. It, it was just a bit naive. So I had a bit of a dialogue with him about it because the trouble is, is in the in the industry, there's a lot of marketing around mental well-being, and but it's very much yeah. deep as that. It's it's like literally physical training is good for your mental health now. When you go into a, a dialogue of absolutes like that, the the big question we've got to have is, I mean, something I'm a big believer in. Oops, it's my uh, alarm to tell me. microchips ready. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my alarm to remind me to feed the puppy, but it's already done, so I'm safe. That's what I'm like. Power medicine. Before. Yeah, she, she's all good to go. Um, yeah, what, what I was saying is, um, until I was really interrupted by myself, um, the problem is, is if we talk about absolutes and then go straight, physical fitness is good for your mental health. Hmm. It yes, objectively, doing physical activity is good for your mental well-being. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna probably talk about language quite a bit throughout today as well. Like that's why I would say mel mental well-being over mental health because there's a massive stigma about the term mental health. Because, yeah. you know, if we think, if I say physical health, what would you guys think of if you, if I say the, the term physical health? It's quite subjective, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, quite subjective, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean to, I'd probably... Go on, Bill, go, you first. Go on, Tom. No, you go. Go on, mate. Do you want I've me to go first? No, I've got a very particular answer, and I, I have a feeling both are going to be different. Yeah, so physical health for me, I think it's... Sub-nine-minute mile. About, every, everything, about, everything about your physical being, so it's like a... a sort of a combination of your aesthetic, how you feel, um, your performance, um, your okay. actual sort of body is what your actual health overall is like in terms of metabolic markers and stuff. So a bit of a combination of things. So, yeah. 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 See, I knew you'd answer like that. See, he's a prick, Danny. Me, I would say, <laughs> I would say like just overall health. So me, when I think physical fitness, you know, I, I, I think overall health. Yeah. The, the definition of health, like it hasn't changed over the years, but there is like a bit of a push to kind of include the, you know, the mental side of uh, health as well. Yeah, and, and this is where the challenge comes in because if we think, if I was supposed to pose the same question to you, if about mental health, how would you, how would you think? What sort of comes into your head if I, if I asked you to talk a little bit about that? I think for me, it'd be more, uh, it wouldn't be a combination, like I said, of physical health. It'd be a single thing of how you feel mm -hmm. emotionally. That's how I, that's how I'd sum, 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 summarize it. How you feel emotionally. So if we look at your answer, then um, mm. your answer is obviously quite your your physical answer was like dynamic with different elements. Yeah, sure. And it was almost like building a pyramid, wasn't it? Where mm -hmm. the mental side is, you know, you said how do you feel, but it's also like the how do you feel, but is it bad? If that makes sense, you know, and. I th that's why I like to try and use well-being as a, as a term as a, as opposed to and because I always say the most important thing with the the term mental health is what you top and tail it with 
because actually we're talking about mental ill health, aren't we? Because mental health is health, health, you know, it, it sounds a bit like silly in a sense, but it's, it's quite obvious that that's linguistically more tied to the, to the positive side of things. And yeah, I think, you know, it, going back to what my point was like, when we talk about these absolutes, this is good for your mental health. What happens when it isn't for somebody? Because we, we can't out-train an unwell brain. It's like you can't out-train a bad diet is the old saying, isn't it? But I, I think it's the same when it comes to, to physical health. Now, I'm a massive advocate for physical health. I'm sorry, for physical activity and, and train it. Um, you know, as I say, I've, I've been within the touching distance of the health and fitness industry for 20 years. But the, the fact remains that we can't just, we can't just say go for a run and then you won't feel suicidal. Again, yeah. massive simplification. But this is kind of like the, the absolutes and simplified world that we've got into. And I think physical trainers need to be more responsible. They need to be more, um, I know it's, uh, it's going to sound a bit over the top, but like work a bit more because, you know, there, there's a yeah. lot of lazy marketing in the fitness industry. We all have 24 hours in a day and it's mm. one, yeah. it's 4% of your day, your day. And you're like, is it though, you know? Someone who's got a couple of kids, they've got a, you know, like a, a demanding job that might not be, you know, well paid and they're not, you know, in their early 20s working in a gym. It, we don't all have the same. And yeah, I'd say that would be my pet peeve anyway. It's probably fitness marketing <laughs> in, a, in, fitness a, marketing, in, yeah. in a succinct um, statement. Yeah. It's almost as if it's just a, a, an extra CPD, a niche to go on their PT board so to speak. Mm. I think it, it kind of can be, you know, I think that the big thing when it comes to, because they, you can do CPD where you're kind of like upskilled and, you know, again, yeah. that that's kind of what I, I, I do a lot of. Mm. But the issue is, is when you overstep the boundary and you start saying like, I'll fix your mental health and well-being or whatever, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll make you better. And it's like, that is not technically true. And you're giving somebody hope because, you know, again, I, I can only speak for myself in this uh, regard, but if you feel crappy, you're, you're, you want to grab anything. You'll be like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do anything. Um, which again, doesn't help massively because what we then do is we start kind of hard targeting from one intervention to another because we're like, oh, this one hasn't worked. I'll, I'll try this one. I'll try this one. But also we we have that sort of what we give our attention to is what, what grows, isn't it? So if we're giving someone a lot of attention, like if only I could feel better if I did, you know, I'll try and research this, research that. And then before you know it, you've spent five hours focused on the, the thing that actually you want to try and come away from um so it, it's it's really difficult you know it's it's a difficult proposition but we sometimes have to live with the uncomfortable feelings and whatnot and i just want to i just want to go I, i'm not a therapist in this regard but i'm just talking about my own experience when i talk about that it's not wouldn't necessarily work for everyone but you know we almost kind of the way i would describe it is if we think about you know the old in, in the First World War, when the Allies and the, the Germans, you know, laid down their arms on Christmas Day and had a football match, you've got to 
you know, when it comes to something like this, if we just fight, then it, it's not necessarily going to be helpful. But if we can greet this discomfort uh, as a friend, which again takes time, it's not it's not an easy thing. That that's kind of how we can start beginning to make progress. So I suppose we we go to your overall pet peeve, Danny. It's probably going to be fitness marketing. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Because as I say, you know, I I you know bicep curls in the squat rack, you know, like if if I was to give it large, if I was to, if you were to you know if we were to actually say you know what is your pet peeve, ten five to ten years ago, without a doubt, I'd have said people wearing a vest in the gym who can't bend hundred <laughs> k for reps. That would have been what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. You know, and tongue in cheek, I'd probably still say it again. But guess what? Not everyone is built to do that because, you know, mm. oh yeah, great, you can do that for reps, but there'll be something else that someone else is better than. So, it, you know, it's all very, very imperceptible in that sense. I think, where would you put fitness marketing, Tom, on the scale? Fitness marketing, like, oh, do you know, I wanted to say that it was originally going to be high up there, about eight as a pet peeve, but Danny has kind of convinced me that, do you know what, I think it can be, it can be done properly. It can be done properly because um, I I mean, straight away, I was instantly biased because I have seen mental health popping up more in qualifications for other PTs. And my straight away, I was thinking they're just using it as a niche. It's just a buzzword, as I, as I see a lot of PTs kind of doing now. But maybe that's just me coming at it from like a biased angle where I'm already kind of resentful of most PTs in an industry that's <laughs> famous anyway from an educational standpoint. Yeah. But... You know, maybe there is a place a place for it. So I'm actually going to scale back on that, and I'm going to say five, and I'm going to stay neutral for it. Um, it's actually something I've um, was kind of I've been interested in getting into myself, um, but I'm going to be flash here and say, oh, but properly get into it. But um, it's it's something I've not had uh, time to really dedicate it towards at the moment. I'm still trying to finish my fucking SNC qualification. But um, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay neutral. I'm going to give it a five because I think there can be a place for it. Uh, there was a couple of things that Danny mentioned which um, almost resonates with my thoughts on other subjects. So, for example, what you said about how some might say, oh, just go for a run. Just go for a run to cheer yourself up. It's almost like when we talk about weight loss and coaches just say, just calorie deficit. Just go to a calorie deficit. It's that simple. It's multifactorial. Obesity is multifactorial, uh, multifactorial you know, Weight loss, weight gain is multifactorial. Mental health is multifactorial. You can't. It's it's like just tends a sad person to cheer up. Oh, you know. Have I triggered you there? Sorry, Danny. Do you want to go straight into a ten on the RPC scale there? Yeah, just get out the RPC scale. Yeah, but no, in all serious, because like toxic positivity for me, like you know, no negativity and whatever else. You just like look. If you're not in the right frame, you. No matter, and if you do just go, yeah, I'm happy, I'm fat again, that's unhealthy too. Yeah, um, yeah. I just want to quickly say, like, that's actually, I've I just very recently learned about the concept of toxic positivity, and um, Jesus Christ, yeah, like, um, it, it's, it's a narrative I, I, I really can't stand in regards to toxic positivity. We see it in regards to people who are trying to do. Uh, all right, call-out culture can be shitty. But it's people that are trying to cancel call-out culture, in a sense, against people that generally are causing harm. 
And it's like, this is just toxic positivity, you know, where it's like, I'll just live and let live. And it's like, no, sometimes things do need to be combated, including misinformation. So yeah, kind of got on my own little tangent there. But like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, toxic positivity is something I've just kind of learned about recently. And yeah, Jesus, that's a 10 for me straight away. I think that the, the problem is with, again, it's, it's, it's just lazy, isn't it? Because yeah. someone will read one book about about something and they'll be like, right, that's it. I'm, I'm, I fully believe in this, but then they, you know, absolutely go hell for leather with it. And then that's it then. That, you know, you can't say anything negative. And you're like, well, yeah. you know, your, your family, what if your house gets hit by a meteorite? You can't be like, oh, this is, I'll go see the yeah. positive. You know, it. Yeah. you can't. And it's healthy to, when something is painful, to feel that pain because yeah. that stops it from, you know, coming out down the line. And again, I think sometimes, you know, a lot of time it's it's very well-meaning as well, but it's just, there's a common common thing in the, the way, you know, it, it's called a cognitive distortion, which is a fancy way of saying an unhelpful thinking pattern, but it's, it's about just being all or nothing. So it's like either you're all positive or you're, dead negative which is again it doesn't make sense does it Mm. we've got to be able to have that mixture between the two yeah in my opinion anyway okay then guys what we'll do is we're going to move on to the the next part of the show now so we're going to as we alluded to, we'll talk about mental health, but I want to kind of get to know you a bit more better, Danny. Okay, so I want to kind of get to explore how you've come into this space of mental health because I'm fully aware you are a veteran, Royal Engineer Commando. Um, you're in for quite a while. Correct me if I'm wrong, you did an operational tour. Uh, yeah, I did. I did um, Afghan Eric 9. Afghan Eric 9. Okay, cool. So kind of what I want to get into is, I think Tom mentioned it, I'm not sure he mentioned it on air or off air, but the whole thing about the, the military and mental health. And you were in, you were in quite a while. You let, how, when did you leave? And th- this is probably part of how I'd, uh, how I'd answered, but um, coming up to four years ago now. So like okay. in, I think June-ish is, is, is four. So yeah, pretty much four years now. What I want to kind of know is how did you, how was your experience during your time with the military and mental health, especially if someone I said did an operational tour? Um, so this is probably going to be a weird answer for you, but I actually think, the thing that's important to mention is, is I have had challenges with my mental health probably my whole life because, you know, again, like without going into the exact exactness of it, if you will, like it's it's thought that about 75% of mental illness actually starts before the age of 18. So before I joined the army, I already had think like quirks, if you will. And I can remember all the way through training, whatever else, I would have spates of agitation, spates of feeling like low self-esteem and whatever else. And actually, at that time, I was completely and utterly unaware what was going It's only now that I know what I know that I can reflect back. I'd say probably most of, definitely um, from, from like my teens onwards, I would say that I had wrangles with, definitely with depression. And I would say, arguably, at times, there was issues around my personality and how I dealt with things. And it's only really since I got older that I've kind of changed. You know, like, 
part things that impact our you know there's lots of different risk factors and protective factors and one of the things that i definitely know i didn't have skills wise was um like an ability to cope under this is going to sound stupid to say this cope under stress so i went and did my commando course so physically and mentally if something is hard i had the capacity to deal with that but if something frustrated me, anyone who's watching this who knows me from those days will know that I would, you know, as we would say in the military, shimp till the cows come home. And that was my coping mechanism. Rather than trying to find a way around things, I would I would talk about why it was bad. You know, rather than just trying to kind of like push that away. Like I would never, the, the thing was, is I'd never not do it. I just like to tell everyone that it wasn't good for whatever reason. But again, you know, I think that partly is down to how we were led in the military in those days. Because I still think that's a bit of a cut. That shimp culture you mentioned, I want to touch on that, is kind of, would you say that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of getting off your chest? Because I think in the army, it's a, it's a massive culture to shimp about everything. Anytime anything goes wrong or bad, you shimp about it. Like from being able to sit here now, not having to deal with that stuff anymore i would kind of say yes and no because mm -hmm. yeah it is good like you know if something is crap fine it, it's crap but to talk about it non-stop is is not good because you know what we give our attention to as i said you know where energy uh, sorry where attention goes energy flows so the more we just focus on why something is rubbish it gets bigger in our world and that's you know the same with all sorts of different issues. Circling back slightly to, you know, talking about operations, you know, I'm I'm very lucky. I, uh, when I went to Afghan, I did search, you know, so I don't know if, if any of your listeners are going to not know what that means, but essentially I was one of the idiots, and that's the best way to describe it, who would walk around with a metal detector looking for IEDs, i.e. the things that hopefully won't, but could go boom, if you will. Um, and I was very lucky, you know, I, I definitely, you know, more than one occasion was in a circumstance where afterwards we were like, you got lucky, you you got away with it. I mean, it got quite funny, actually. Some of the lads in my search team, because I'd always end up in this, these precarious situations for some reason. You know, it got to the point where lads are coming from other fobs or whatever, and they'd be like, you are a shit magnet. And I would be like, <laughs> yes, I know. But... I'm so fortunate that, like, even though, as I say, involved in lots of things, like, um, on Herrick 9, it was very busy because um, the IED threat was through the roof, but actually the powers that be had not conned on to this yet. So mm. for the entire of Helmand, there was only six, six um, search teams. So there was jobs and jobs and jobs and jobs coming in, and there was only six, six teams. Um, so... I think, if I remember rightly, we did over a hundred jobs, search jobs, Jesus. which is 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 like pretty much unheard of. Like I, I can remember speaking to lads on later Herricks, um, who, who sorry, who'd done later Herricks, who were like buzzing. They'd done like thirty, and that's no not in anything away from them at all. By the mm. way, um, but what it was was you know it it just kind of shows that we we did a lot like. I think by the time they got to like Herrick 14 slash 15, the next time the operational cycle came around, there was like 25 search teams. And then they had different 
types of search themes and did different things and whatever else. You know, so the amount was just insane difference. Um, but my point is, I was involved in some some interesting stuff. You know, definitely on more than one occasion, I had a near miss. But again, very fortunate. I don't consider myself to have a trauma injury. But this is a really important topic for us to talk about is actually mental illness in the army is not just about PTSD. I say the army, the forces. Statistically, between what... So if we said one in four people per year-ish um, will suffer from some form of mental health challenge and one in six, that will be symptomatic. So if you know what you're looking for, you can spot it. So if we look at, you know, that in the military, so say in the army, like, I think it's it's like 67, 68,000 at the minute. That's a, that's a lot of people, mm. but they've not all got trauma-related um, mental health injuries and diagnoses. It's, it's other things. And it's actually, I think, to do with veterans and the community is it's a stigma that we we need to come away from. It's okay to have mental ill health and mental illness. And it's okay to have, you know, obviously trauma is a part of that, but we need to, as a community, move away from that because A, if you think about the, say the the person who has, a, say, an anxiety issue, if you will, they might not feel like they can talk about it because it's not trauma. It's like, oh, I haven't, I haven't earned it, if you will, which again is, you know, it's very, very wrong. I just want to touch on something, a really important point you made there, because we had a guest on. Um, Johnny. Was it last week or the week, week before? It was, uh, no, Becca Slater. Oh, remember a couple of weeks ago? And she spoke about how when she had her accident and she had she went through trauma and it wasn't, she never got any help about this until one of her friends, who was a veteran, spoke to her and said, oh, you've got textbook PTSD. And she straight away went, oh, no, I haven't done. I've not been to war. I've not. She straight away linked it that she can't have PTSD because she's not been to war. But she was in a serious accident, which resulted in her, you know, having to get her arm amputated. Yeah. So, yes, she's been through something serious, but she didn't feel like she could see someone because she didn't think, oh, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as other people I know. And I think that kind of links to what you're saying there is the yeah. people potentially in the army now who feel like, oh, I've not been to war. I've not done this. I can't be suffering with X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the thing is, is trauma is a very perceptive thing. For example, people, like, people often get surprised that actually on you know, statistically, again, um, generally females are more likely to have uh, trauma or PTSD than men. And often when I have this dialogue, people are like, oh, but surely more men go to war. And then, you know, the question is always, what do many, maybe even you could say most women go through that could be heinously traumatic? Childbirth. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm. the, that's a massive potential. Yeah, wow, you know, yeah. All sorts of different things can happen, um, which could be a sort. And the point is, it doesn't always, to, to get a trauma response as well, it doesn't always need to be that you were directly involved because, you know, there's a thing called vicarious trauma whereby, you know, if you repeatedly hear about something that is a traumatic thing or, you know, it, it was someone close to you, you can develop a trauma response to that. So think about what we're going through now with, with COVID and whatnot, yeah. you know, Touch wood and whistle on the back end of that. There's there's potential for a lot there too. Oh god, yeah. It's isolated a lot of people. <laughs> Me being one of them. <laughs> so many people becoming isolated from each other, etc. Um, I can hold my hand up and say, past two years, I've struggled in regards to the isolation. Um, very much so. In fact, 
but I think like one of the key takeaways there is like in regards to trauma, so it's not just a, a dichotomous like this is what you need to have gone through to have PTSD. It's it's, it's scalable, it's subjective, it's personal to you. It's yeah. We we've got to think about what people have gone through up to a certain point as well, because clearly people in the military, um, some people will have seen all sorts of things and they don't have a trauma response. Because again, you know, if you think about it, they've they've built up the skills with which to deal with things. So the way I always put it is like if you you know, like say if you go to war and you see something, you've kind of been building up to that point for a long time. So and you know, for some people it will mess them up and and you know, and that's okay is is the message I would say is if you've seen some stuff and actually it really impacts you every day, then that's okay in terms of obviously we don't want that to happen, but it, it happens and that's okay. Mm. Um, you know, you can get help, you can live a normal life too. You know, it, there's definitely not a sentence, if you will. But sometimes people will see things that maybe if we put it on a scale were much kind of less severe, but they've had no preparation for this. Mm. And as a result, they might have that response. So, you know, it'd be like if we relate it to health and fitness, it'd be like so someone who's trained for a long time, there's a bar in, in and it's like, right, you need to squat that bar, say, I don't know, 150 kilos. They go in. And it might be slightly more. They might have a bit of a twinge in the back. Obviously, I know Tom's big on his pain stuff, so I don't want to dive in too much on that. It might have been tough and uncomfortable, but they either get through it or they could spank in. But then someone who's done no training whatsoever, there's there's a 70 kilo bar, and you go, yeah, go ahead, mate, go squat that. They And then they crumple in half. It's it's the same thing, isn't it? In a, it's a really That's a really good comparison, actually, yeah. The hardest thing you've ever done is the hardest thing you've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's subjective. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you also say that um, like a benefit in regards to being part of the forces that you might not quite get in civil life is you've also got that quite tight-knit social circle? Yeah. And, you know, if I was to talk about my own experience having left the military, I would definitely say that's one of the things. I mean, it's hard. It's definitely a double-edged sword because there, there's always people and, and times and groups that you're in or whatever else that you, you might miss. But actually, you know, there'll be loads of people that you're like, I'm so glad I am not <laughs> imprisoned. And that's the only way you can put it, imprisoned with that person anymore. Like, you know, there was people in Germany when I was over there that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to look at this person every day. <laughs> and I don't mean that like... You know, they, they were just them and that, but, you know, the fact that it was like, oh, we'll go to the bar. Oh, God, there we go. This this person's here again and mm. they just do your head type thing. But yeah, I'd say my own experience, and again, relating to what you mentioned about COVID, you know, I, I'll be honest, I, I really had a tough time in COVID. Mm. You know, I've had, I, I've had really challenging times with my mental well-being in the military um, due to various factors. But I think the thing was with COVID was you know and again it's quite topical i think because i couldn't go to the gym the gym again i don't want to sound like i'm contradicting myself here for me personally i'd say the gym has actually genuinely saved my life and i mean that in twofold i mean when i was 15 and i walked into that gym i'd given up football a year before where i live is you know it's it's not like 
the Bronx, but you know, there's not loads of things to do. I went to a fairly rough secondary school where routinely, you know, there was drug taking on on site and, you know, I'm I'm not talking heroin and, you know, not not quite as bad as but you know, it was there was a, like I would went in more than once to school where I'd been drinking, like a, as a teenager. So I was in this really bad uh, bad cycle, and I I would not put it down to other people either. Like when I look back, I don't sit there and go, oh, "I was in the wrong crowd." I was the wrong crowd. I was one of the ringleaders, you know. Of it was only minor delinquents, but you know, I was I was one of the worst ones there for like, "Hey, should we go and do this stupid thing?" Um, didn't, I didn't have a really get out of that to be fair, but I just used it in different ways in the military. Like, Hey, should we go and jump in this, this river with, with the, uh, with, with all the recruits or whatever. But, um, mm. I walked into a gym when I was 15 years old and to do work experience, I got, I got sent to the local fitness first and I was in there and they had this running challenge and it was something like something silly, like. Like they were trying to get as far as they could in a day and you would do a half an hour stint. And I was absolutely like, like so, 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 so out of shape and, you know, like whatever else. And to be honest, my self-image probably wasn't all that good and how I felt about me. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to get into this and I'm going to really run with it. And, you know, I managed to get a little job there. So I basically was like, it's actually pretty much slave labor, to be fair. <laughs> um, they, they, I used to work six hours a week there and I got a free gym membership, which the, the numbers don't really add up. That would have been an expensive, even if I was on like proper minimum wage, that would have been expensive. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but at that age, I couldn't work because I was 15. So, you know, it kept me out of trouble. It got me off the streets, if you will. Streets, you know, as I say, I, I, I'm not like, but yeah, and I think like, you know, there's a lot of people that I know who were, were in the same crowd as I was that have really had a tough time and, you know, they have issues with substances and whatever else. And that got me away from that. And then coming forward in COVID when I couldn't go to the gym, my whole routine was all messed up and it was like, oh, getting on the booze and whatever else. Because I mean, again, I realize most people did that. But yeah, I would, I would definitely say for me during COVID, actually, it was, you know, arguably the lowest I've felt. Um, I was so fortunate that I that I know the things that I know, because I was like, even though I did probably argue at times, feel suicidal. Actually, I I never made any plans, never thought about actually enacting this, but I felt that low, without a doubt, within that. And I was lucky that I almost had myself to help, where I'd go right. Th- this is not good. Like, you'd be able to have that, like, dialogue in the mirror. This is not good. You need to go and, you know. So when I've got a counselor that I still, you know, I see him regularly now, even though it's not kind of like there's not a need. Because, you know, when I see him, it's a bit like bit like how some people it might be like, you know, getting the nails done, getting a haircut, going, you know, where I live, probably definitely sunbeds. You know, it's that <laughs> sort of thing. It's just a little, tu- little tune-up. By the way, this is uh, Tam from Holiday, not Sunbed Tam, before we, uh, before we go down that route. Danny, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, uh, how you went through various struggles uh, during the military time. Because you said now how you know how to deal with it yourself through COVID, you had yourself to sort of talk to. Back when you were in the military and you had your various struggles, did you ever 
talk about it to anyone? Was was there a system in place for you to get help within within the military? I think the the thing I would say is when I had like my toughest mental time, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about like why that might have been, where it was conscious, if you will. So there was a couple of events that happened. I'm not going to go into every single one because otherwise we'll be here all night. Yeah, sure. In essence, first trigger of this was um, my dad had a stroke, which left him hemiplegic, which means my dad, uh, you know, half his body doesn't work if effectively. Um, and it still doesn't now. I was managing a lot of situations at home with the family and how they were dealing with that. And then one of my friends died, one of my really close friends, Matty, and it, he passed away really suddenly. And essentially, after that, I started to become very, very hyper aware of health. So actually, there was there was definitely like, a, it, it got to the point where the anxiety would become more like a disorder because it impacted my day-to-day life. It was more long-lasting. There was no sort of stimulus for it other than my own you know thoughts if you will and yeah basically i I was away on a sunshine tour um you know again for any of the listeners who don't know what sunshine tour is not an awful lot of work or if there is it's it's all right there's plenty of time to socialize and sunny you know in in a nutshell um and actually it was it was horrendous because everyone wanted to party and stuff and i just wanted to be on my own I wanted to withdraw. I didn't like the noise. Um, I was very agitated, you know, little things that kind of like normally wouldn't impact me, if you will, um, or requests that the management might have. I mean, I had some issues with the people I was working for at the time, um, without a doubt. But my response was very much of like getting angry, getting like, you know, shimfin, as I mentioned earlier. And whatever else. But the the core thing about it that and this is why I do, you know, do what I do, actually, is if somebody would have had some skills to be able to go, Why is Danny going to the med center every single week? He seems different. Um, you know, that that what is going on? I think it's not just about me as well. I wouldn't it wouldn't have just been me that had a better time. Everybody else would have to. You know, because I've no doubt that working with me and a team at that time was quite tough. I would say in terms of support, I didn't know I needed support then. So I, I can't go in on the military and say, oh, they didn't do anything because I didn't, I only, I only knew that I had, I, I'd experienced something that was like, or lived with something that was like a disorder was when I did mental health first aid training. And I was literally sitting there looking at the screen like, I've had that, I've had that, I've had that. That and it was just basically like I effectively, I wouldn't say got a diagnosis because it didn't. Um, you know, in mental health first aid, you don't diagnose, but I got a lot of loops closed that I was like, I've experienced a lot of these things, and I definitely do have aspects of mental ill health in various different guises. And the important thing is, you don't need to know exactly what it is in the sense of. A lot of things merge into one another. You know, they can overlap. Like, yeah, you might fit into a box, depression, anxiety, whatever it might be, but they can overlap as well. You know, so the the importance is how you feel, not necessarily about what box you fit in. Do you know what? I just want to 
quickly mention that's quite uh, important you mentioned that because I think there's also that stigma behind people where like they the dots the dots match up you know they all line up and it points towards something very specific in regards to their mental health but it's like because they've not actually been officially diagnosed with it they feel like well it, I can't be an imposter and say oh, I've got depression because I've not fit I've not actually been diagnosed with it but technically like everything's kind of lined up to point to that and I think I don't know I I do know some people who have uh, old jobs I'm going to say old jobs where they've they know they've got depression but workers turned around to them and said well you you've never been diagnosed with it you've not got a doctor's note etc uh so yeah I'm kind of glad that you mentioned that actually the thing is with with something like depression you you can get a diagnosis of depression if you've had the, the symptoms for two weeks it's not you need to suffer with for 10 that. years yeah. and mm. the problem is when it comes to us seeking help and this is a very british thing not just a military thing <laughs> we have that attitude I'll, yeah. I'll grizz it I'll get over it mm. I, I just feel this way now and I'll get over it and then before you know it when they do present to a doctor they're in crisis not they're not they're not like listen I've, I've, I've been feeling a bit off lately I want to try and make some changes they're like I feel like I want to die and you know that is obviously way 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 you know we, we would never do that with a physical health condition would we you not you you know you're not going to be like Hmm, I fell over the other week and my leg is in a right angle down at the bottom, but I'll just walk that off. You know, again, <laughs> obviously I'm ca- over, you know, caricaturing that a bit. But, but it's nice in those red flags. It's Well, it's just, the thing is, is we can and we will feel better, but we can't just not walk at it and it'll go away. Yeah. You know, that's not going to happen. Um, th- things Things take time as well. So actually it might, go away so to speak but your recovery could be quicker if you had sought help or it doesn't even need to be like i don't really like this phrase of sought help like sought advice it would be more accurate because this you know this help thing you don't necessarily go to the doctors with a physical health condition because you want help do you you want advice you want information and, and this isn't really any different is it you just want to try and understand what is what's happening and I think that's where the, this stigma is perpetuated about, you know, you're putting a hand out when you kind of are, but you do that in a million other ways, don't you? Danny, we've kind of alluded to a few times now, you're, you're quite into this space now in terms of mental health. A lot of your work is to do with mental health. Um, and I want to sort of fast forward to your departure from the military where you started a brand called In The Dead Ground. Now, this has cha- changed over the time I've known it, I think if that's fair to say. From what I've, what I've seen, it's sort of how it how it's presented. Well, this is where I've got my prop. Oh, you've got a prop of you, God. Remember before I got a prop? So yeah. a biddle. I think you're right in a way, but I also think you're wrong. So okay, you bought the ve- you bought the very first t shirt we brought out, didn't you? I did. Okay, yeah. So you got one of these. Yeah. Okay. So that, like, you know, again, for anyone who doesn't know the brand, in whatever we try and align all of the stuff towards some sort of topic to to do with you know fulfillment and and healthy like mm-hmm. proactivity, if you will, and mental well being. And actually, 
you know, this is talking about our, our tagline, which is control your attention. Because again, you've probably noticed I've talked about attention quite a bit already. Mm. And actually, we, we are, we do talk about yeah, if you if you felt better. I think the difference that you've probably noticed though is I've been more overt about it, like talking about I was going to say, yeah. That's, what, that, yeah. that's the main difference because the problem is, is if I don't articulate it in that way, it, it can be a bit more confusing, if you will. Whereas, you know, we want to reduce suicide, particularly in the veteran population. And I want people, you know, but I want to, my, one of my biggest challenges, I think we, we treat suicide prevention too late. So we look at trying to prevent suicide when a person is suicidal, which would be like saying, right, I want to fireproof that building when it's on fire. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really well, work. The damage is done. Yeah, well, not necessarily damage is done, but why would you want it to go on fire before you try and stop it from going on fire? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's why, you know, with ITDG, a lot of focus is on being proactive. You know, it's not just about the military, even though obviously the, the, the sort of roots and the, the name come from it, because... As I've said, all over whenever we, um, like, comms and whatever else, there is dead ground in everybody's lives. There's there's things that where hidden threats can be that we might not necessarily see until they're right on top of us, and that's everyone. That's not just um, the, the military community. That can be anybody. It can be unforeseen things. It can be things that's down to actions that we do. And guess what? It's okay if we, we do those things because we're human. Because that's, you know, if we were coming back to the bug bears thing, um, actually, that, that that's something that I think that a lot of comes about sort of people, you know, on social media, like trying to make people feel crappy when actually, yeah, you might have the information, but it's great you having all the knowledge and being like, hey, just because you don't do this the way I do it. It's like, well, the, the whole idea is to try and, influence and educate not just you know make someone feel like crap in my opinion anyway no with the brand itself Danny you mentioned there I think especially the way I noticed it you're right actually now when I look back to that little card and stuff I think it's just the way it's maybe it's been communicated now it's slightly different so if I looked at like the brand's tagline for example not a tagline but it's one of the main focuses a company reducing suicides building mental well-being and fulfillment in our community through merch with a message uh, and I would like to draw your attention to my fantastic summer my summer shirt here which I got, got a couple of years ago Mm. Um, so kind of the question I want to ask you, Danny, is what sort of made you decide to start this brand and what, why do you think it's so important that it exists, essentially? Well, we've we've already talked about mental health first aid and we, you know, I know we'll probably come on to that later, but you know, that's another part of what I do on a day-to-day basis. And what I found was is I, can only, I could only impact a relatively, not relatively small number of people, but if I was working in a business and, you know, delivering training there, I get the audience for like a small audience. I've, I'm a, a, a single person. I can't split myself in all these different directions. But what I can do with the brand is if the brand grows and I, you know, we have sort of a strong, loyal follower base and, and I'm not saying loyal, like you've got to buy all of our stuff, but I mean like an engaged, an engaged audience. Hmm. Actually, this type of stuff, we, we talk about mental health awareness week. I talk about it all the time. I, I don't hmm. just talk about it on, on, Every day. on awareness weeks. It's stuff that I, I'll 
I'll bring out in, in different ways, you know, how a person can be kind to themselves, how a person can better themselves. Because it's not just about being like, you know, I, I'm not an advocate of just going there, there, you're fine how you are. Um, you are fine how you are, but we can always, that there's other things that we might be able to do that might make us feel better. They might give us more fulfillment, etc. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not here to just kind of like what I would probably call the happy clappy side of, of well-being. The cheerleader. Yeah. You know, and, and that's okay. Um, yeah. but I think the way I look at it with, with what ICDG does is we help people to understand mental well-being. We help people to, as I say, be more happy and fulfilled, but we do it to a community where if I just sit there and go, you are strong and you can do this. I know when I, like when I, I'm like, yeah, I know I can do that. Or doesn't, what, what doesn't am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah. Don't feel like crap. That's not helpful. And I think that's part of what, you know, is, is a big problem with the topic of mental illness and mental ill health is we're trying to talk to people that have lived a life that they can't talk to other people. And we're trying to simplify it into just say, you should speak to people, you know, which again is, if it was as simple as that, and, you know, I don't mean to be too, too um, direct about it, but if it was as simple as that, people wouldn't be taking their own life anymore mm -hmm. because there's enough of that communication of just talk to somebody out there. I, I feel like we need to get to a space where we take responsibility for trying to help each other, you know, and say, right, well, I need to create the environment that a person's going to be willing to talk. I can't just be like putting it all on them because if they're feeling like crap anyway, why do I want to put more stuff on them? I want to, I want to create that environment. And I'm so passionate and such a firm believer. Hence why I'm, you know, just talking about my own experience now is you, you will. And, and I mentioned it last week on, on the, uh, on the brand thread on the social media, you, you get back what you put out. So if we, if we don't, if we don't talk about, I've had this tough time or this has happened or whatever else. We create this, I'm a superhuman kind of persona around me. Like, oh yeah, you've done these things in the military. Or don't talk about anything and you're all, you know, tough and hard. Then no one's going to want to talk to you, are they? <laughs> why, would, why would anyone want yes. to be like, oh, I'm going to go and speak to him. But, you know, you could be the nicest guy in the world, but you've not necessarily curated that environment that somebody's going to want to disclose to you. It's a really yeah. good point, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that um, I, I absolutely love about your your business is even like in regards to like the Instagram posts, it's kind of like what I said, there's no cheerleadiness to it. Like uh, it's not just throw away, let's go back to toxic positivity. It's not just throw away toxic positivity quotes. There's actually application and takeaways actually put into the captions of the posts on social media. So, yeah, for that, uh, yeah, my absolute utmost ex uh, respect there. That's kind of what it's about is because you think, yeah. like when we started this, you know, two years ago, it's actually on Thursday is the, the two-year two birthday, if you will. Mm. Started this two years ago and we had a small audience and whatever else. Whereas now I get to talk to, I think at the last count, there was like 1,900 followers, which again, you know, it, it's okay. It's it's not a huge amount, but over time, the more, you know, I can then have this dialogue with more people more regularly and they can, it's not in your face as well. So this, that wall is there. 
if somebody if somebody talks to me that they're not feeling great for whatever reason, it's a bit like um, what what's that say? There's an app for that. I've got a post for it. I would be almost certain that on that wall for most most things, um, in terms of you know for either for yourself or maybe for for helping somebody else, that there is something on that you know feed that somebody could refer to and, and get some sort of um yeah. support from. And you know, the brand, it's already saving lives. You know, I've had more than one person disclose to me in the DMs that they were suicidal. You know, we're not I'm not there as a suicide like intervention service alone, but I can get people, you know, I, I, we can help people like that. And obviously the aim, bigger aim if we're talking about the, you know, the the big goal, if you will is to to get more veterans to have therapy and eventually hopefully you know others as well it's mm. it's going to be a conduit where it's self-perpetuating where if a person needs that access we, you know hopefully in time once the um, brand grows out we, we can do that on a regular basis at the minute i'm just basically putting the money to one side it just sits there and eventually hopefully We'll be able to go live with that. Um, yeah. I think my point, so I'd like to add to that, is you, you mentioned how you've only got 1,900 followers, for example. I think people sometimes forget is the whole thing of like word of mouth, for example. Yeah. yeah. So you speak to those people on your feed because the message you're sending out are actually, like they're actually valid. They're actually proper. Met. They're not just, as we said, they're not just like this little cheerleading thing. They're actually good messages. That person will then tell someone else. That person will then tell someone else. And you've got this knock-on effect. And if we go to the whole merch thing as well, people might be like, oh, why, why is there a merch thing behind this, this stuff? Well, look at this shirt, for example. It's it's loud. It's exciting. Someone will go to me. Where'd you get that shirt from? Oh, in the dead ground. Next, you know, they Google it. They find themselves on your page. That's another person who's found the page who's potentially found help who when they needed it. And then this knock-on effect keeps going and going mm. and going. And that, and that, and that's exactly what 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 I want, really. You know, mm-hmm. when people see the arrowhead with the saber tooth, I want people to be to be what's like, that? "Oh, well, yeah. what's that all about?" And then mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's talking it's a point. Way yeah, and and like you know, as I say, you do get some brands out there that are for mental health, if you will. But there, there's no like, there's not necessarily, as you say, anything actionable or practical, if you will. And that's kind of like what. Like the new baseline stuff that I brought out not so long ago, there's actually on the card, I've created a little acronym of baseline, um, literally just a few principles that people can use if they are going to have a well, you know, a mental health and well-being conversation with somebody. You know, I, I know more than more than a few people who were like, "Oh, I just keep that in my desk drawer." It were like my peer group now. I mean, I joined the army. 17 years ago and so you know my peer group like well i'd probably still be a corporal a bit like um <laughs> like tom cruise on the uh on the new uh top gun where where he's like you should be a general he's like well you know that, that that's probably where i'd be <laughs> but um you know hypothetically i'd be a senior nco now i'd hope um and as i say my a lot of my peers do use that again that's what it's there for it's to try and help people to, to be able to do this stuff on a grander scale than just, you know, for, for me delivering training. But I do, circling back, the training is fantastic. And I know for a fact, if people would have had that type of training when I felt bad in the past, it, it would have definitely made a massive impact too. Mm. 
I mean, one thing I've got to say is um, I do like how in the dead ground in regards to the name, in regards to designs, it does actually kind of smoothly translate into your into your message. So the name itself, you know, like dead ground, you know, like we we don't know what's ahead of us. Even some of the shirt designs, I mean, one of the designs actually shows, a, you know, it shows contour lines like mental health. We have our ups, we have our downs. We just don't know what's going to be ahead of us. So I do like how actually the messages almost snuck into the designs themselves. It's trying, it's just trying to influence without being too overt. Yeah, because I think some people... It, Skulls and daggers it, and... <laughs> to, 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 you know, just to think... There's nothing wrong with being over there, by the way, because I do fit, you know, I'm over there about communication with it, but mm-hmm. I don't want to just put like, you know, I don't know, th- this is not an actual brand or anything, but, you know, like support mental health because yeah. it's just, it's just, as you say, it's an empty, what's the word? Um, it's a glib sentence, isn't it? It's just, yeah. there's nothing there. And I think our community as a whole is quite tactile you want to be able to reach out and touch something so to speak and i think that's kind of like the way we do the way we put things across and that's the aim really now, something you also allude to danny is that you you work with businesses right and you, you get a small window you talk to these businesses about how to you know help them um and that brings me on to something else you do and i think this is more recent uh, correct if i'm wrong is that called catalyst do is it so it's the other way around catalyst do is okay started when okay sure. Catalyst do took a couple of different forms, to be honest. Um, and the reason, you know, when, when I first left the military, I would be remiss if I said that I fully worked the plan out because I think I spent most of my time working out my safety net that then I got to a couple of months out and I was like, right, what do I actually want to do? Um, you know, so Catalyst do has been numerous different things, if you will. Um, started out probably predominantly as a boot camp. Um, after- oh, wow, right, okay. Um, and you know what, I, I, I love, I, I, you know, I do love the fitness industry. I do love taking classes and whatever else still. And I'm hoping in time with the clothing brands with, within the dead ground, the aim with all of these businesses is that they're going to seamlessly work together, um, in time to try and, you know, create a more mentally healthy environment. And, you know, again, as I say, goes back to that word fulfillment to me a lot mm. because the like for example the shirt you're wearing the the idea you could look at it and go well it's just a shirt well the clothing He's getting married in that good <laughs> good i want to yeah, i want to see the pictures um yeah. now. The, the the idea is about it being fun for one but it, the idea is about trying to help people you know we, if i if i talk about fulfillment and you know living life to the full and i don't provide anything to try and help that make that happen and i've not kind of I'm, I'm i'm selling a dream aren't i whereas the clothing well it's about physical activity because guess what if we are physically active we will lead a, a more fulfilled life um you know I, I i bring it back to i don't know if either of you guys are rugby fans or not you don't need to be either way but it's this is something i used to say in to recruits I would say it when I was a squadron PTI, or I would say it to a lot of people, but there was a famous, a lot of the listeners will probably know who this is, but a famous um, rugby captain, Richie McCaw, um, and I read his book, and one of the things that I think, and I think this translates through, 
Uh, when he was about 12 or 13, uh, he was having a bit of trouble with his um, with his rugby. You know, he, he was he was a bit um, out of shape. He was a little bit off the pace with all the rest of the lads he, he played with. And uh, his dad said something to him. His dad said, do you know what? You would probably enjoy your rugby more if you were a little bit fitter. And, I, I, you know, I would map that into, like, the military. So if you are, you know, again, I know that the test standards have changed. But, for example, back in my day, um, but, you know, if you were coming in just in line to pass, then you're going to be at the back, hypothetically, of everything. You know, so it's not like about being a, a fizz monster. It's about enjoyment. You want to enjoy your time in the military. So if you are at the back of the squad, you know, you, you are going to struggle. And the same as, um, and again, this is not me one bit saying anything about, um, you know, people's body weight and size and whatever else. But I, I do think that it, a little bit like what Richie's dad said, you know, you might enjoy your life more if, you, if you're a little bit fitter. Like, I think that's fair to say. I think you're a better yeah. quality of life overall if you are more healthier in terms of your, your fitness levels and your health levels, you know, in terms of your... And, you know, and, and that, like I get that some people might say, oh, well, I'm happy how I am. That's fine. That's fine. But it just might mean that your life might be easier at some points if you are more physically fit. And that's what that's where the, the physical training aspect of the brand comes in. Again, this is all kind of sort of like undertones isn't it and then stuff like the shirt that you're wearing again it's about it's a conversation star isn't it it's about being you know like you wear that to your barbecue or you know yeah, sure. your, your social activity of what it is it's yeah or your wedding you know it's, <laughs> it's a bit of fun isn't it Mary? you'll have the new shirt on for that won't you the oh, new, the new, one, yeah. new oh. shirt um but yeah it's a, it's a bit of fun but again it's about that fulfillment and it, it's like oh like for argument's sake you mentioned I'm looking forward to wearing my shirt on the podcast again. You know, it's 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 a little bit of morale. And it, it's a shirt at the end of the day, but it's it's that's part of it. So you know, coming back to Catalyst, do yeah, Catalyst do started out as like um, as the boot camp type style thing, and as I say, I do hope in time all this stuff is going to very much get stitched together seamlessly, if you will. You know, I um, love to uh, have the opportunity to do physical training again in some way shape or form um not as not as a, a pt if you will but just you know be able to curate it so to speak and then yeah after after a short period i i was doing professional professional coaching if you will corporate coaching you know so essentially somebody might need either a, a certain aspect of their of their work to be improved in some way, shape, or form. So it might have been um, like their confidence or their their communication skills, whatever it might be. But to be honest, I enjoyed it, but I wanted to try and engage with more people. And I, you know, I had this passion for mental health and well-being. So I was like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to like, I love doing that course. I thought it was brilliant. I think it's very beneficial. Um, so I went and trained as a mental health first aid instructor, which, as I say, I, I think. I think it's a fantastic tool. I think it's a fantastic resource that for, for people where they, they come in, a bit like what Tom mentioned earlier, where they, they'll come in and they would be fearful of having that dialogue with, with somebody. Um, and actually then they'll go out and say, yeah, I'll be happy to have those conversations from now on. And 
that's a big thing because actually if we just ignore it, then, you know, it we're not going to get people, you know, people aren't going to get help. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's something that I do, um, you know, work with all sorts of different shapes and sizes, really. I've worked with lots of third sector charity organizations too, um, lots of corporate. To be fair, I think for me, probably in my background as well, and also my personality, um, I enjoy working with industrial construction and whatever else, mainly because I'll walk in and I'll get some old and bold sitting there like this. <laughs> and then first of all, they'll be like, Are you the trainer? And I'll be like, yeah. And they'll be kind of thinking, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Um, and then, you know, within a couple of hours, they're like, the, the, their outlook's completely changed. Um, and, and I enjoy being able to have those conversations and invite the invite the controversy from them too, you know, and that's probably just from me being a gobshite when I was younger and I was in debates with people, if you will. Do you find, Danny, that people receive the training you do quite well? Because I know we're going to talk about something about the whole, you know, greenwashing, mental health washing sort of thing of business maybe, but do you find that people, when you're delivering the training, people are very susceptible to it or do you feel like they're, you get a lot, sort of a vibe of, oh, this is just a tick box exercise. Our company's put us through this because they want to look good on paper. Do you ever get that sort of vibe from some of the people? I would say from delegates, absolutely not. I don't think I've ever had a delegate where they've not kind of often, and, and this isn't without two my own horn, and I'm not, I haven't got the hubris to think this is just me because, you know, again, I didn't create this course, but I've, I've had plenty of people come to me and they're like this is the best course I've ever done like most most useful course I've ever done in however many years of work um, I think there will be organisations out there that may do that and but what I would say is you know again people personal responsibility and whatnot. for for me because I'm independent actually you know if, if I get a business that says I don't know, they've got 10,000 people uh, and they want to do one course, I'll say, well, it's not going to be effective, um, you know, because they're just, it, there is not, that that is nowhere near the amount of coverage you would need for this to be an appropriate intervention. And so I think it, it can happen, but realistically, Again, it's a little bit like what we were talking about earlier about responsibility with coaches. It's about consultants and facilitators actually saying, well, I don't think you should do that. You know, we've got to be a bit bold about it um, and sort of not just go, oh, yeah, yeah, sound, I'll take your money, no worries. We, we've got to have that sort of dialogue of saying, yeah. I, I disagree, um, you know, or, or challenge them on things and obviously not in like a, difficult way just in a in a way that actually use your expertise well what's the point of having expertise if you're just gonna sit there you know it's like if i was to map it back to the military i remember once i was always quite probably like far ahead on the um snc type of thing from coming from um you know two four commando <laughs> to to my to the unit in germany so i was quite like, well, miles ahead of, of quite a, a few of the PTIs, you know, still very much just steady state runs and all the rest of it. 
which is fine. You know, again, I wouldn't dig them out too much. But I can remember we were going on a construction tour. I got tasked with uh, doing doing the, um, the the training program for it. And the sergeant major's like, yeah, I, th- I think the um, I think the OC isn't going to like that. He's going to want you to do more runs. And I was like, sir, with all due respect, what's a run going to do when we've got 50 kilo um, cement bags to, ke- to lift? And he was a yeah. bit like, you know, and I said, I was like, look, the OC wants to change it. He can change it. He's, he's the boss. But I was like, don't ask for my input again. <laughs> I was laughing at the time. So probably, yeah. probably went down like a fish milkshake, but still it was one of the, you know, it was one of them where I was like, well, do, you know, why do I, why would I do a PTI course for the OC to tell me what, what to do? That doesn't make any sense. Years on and they're finally catching on to the importance of strength and conditioning, not not just conditioning. <laughs> I, yeah. Do you know what? I have to be honest though, like again, from an outsider's perspective, I do think the leaps and bounds that the military has come on with the SNC side of things. Yeah, you know, from from my limited understanding being a civilian having left the army four years ago. You know, maybe there could be a piece for robustness, more work with the robustness. Um, but that's always going to, that, that, you know, things have changed. It, there's twos, there's fours and against, isn't there? You know, yeah. we used to just get thrashed all the time. Um, mm. So you'd have more robust soldiers, but they were probably going to get broken more often. And Yeah, more mm. injuries, yeah. So, find that balance, isn't it? Yeah, of course, absolutely. While we're talking about the army, I want to go on to a point. Uh, Tom made a point uh, on a recent episode uh, that he thinks that as individuals, we are becoming more aware of this whole topic of a mental you know, well-being, mental health, mental illness. But companies themselves are still not. Now, something I mentioned was greenwashing. So greenwashing, if you're not aware, is like a term that's used quite a lot in terms of uh, the environment. So a company will claim to be for the environment with certain things but really they don't actually care jumping onto a bandwagon jumping onto a bandwagon essentially uh, and kind of want to hear your thoughts on because we spoke about from the army's point of view they've become very forefront with their apparent care of mental health however there's still people some arguing that that's not the case uh, there's been other cases as well people on social media who have got big followings who are coming across as they care but there's been, I'm not going to call people out but there's been situations where someone I've heard known they reached out to one of these people and basically got completely ignored completely even though this this, this person was you know a big you know, mental health advocate they they're all over it telling everyone other you know if everyone had chat to me come up you know just drop me a dm got drops dm ignored it um there's other companies as well we can go into they say they do x y and z they look after their, their employees well-being an employee will say something they'll then get penalized for it perhaps you know not not maybe not uh, directly or consciously but it'll be in a decision-making process later down the line saying, oh, this person went sick because of X, Y, Z. Maybe we don't give them this opportunity in the future, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I mean, to be fair, one thing I would say uh, in my limited understanding of the law, actually, that you can't do that. Um, you know, yeah. if, someone, like, um, if somebody had actually, that had actually happened, you know, they've got, a, they've got grounds for like some serious... Um, St- but that's the problem isn't it it's never it's never a direct like they never say to you we're not giving you this because of x y it will be in their head they know this yeah yeah um i think i think the thing i would say about it is you know again this is these are things that i've learned as i got older you'd like to think there's a positive intention behind any of these actions so the problem is again if we cut back to what we were just saying is if you're not if if you've just got like yes people if you will 
that are just like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're not directing them to what they actually need to do. What they're doing is mm-hmm. because there's not like, say, an ISO standard for psychological well-being, it's all kind of like, really, you need, you need to be able to have a framework. And I think that framework is something that's missing as part of this piece at the moment where you can sort of say, look, in order for you to, because what you might get is like, say, say some, a business does some training of some description. We'll call it mental health first aid. So two day course, but then they've got no infrastructure for what to do if someone has a discussion with somebody. So there's a missed opportunity. Um, you know, they might have a, it, it, and it might not necessarily be they don't care. It's just they've not been, they've just been like, oh, I'll I'll do so. You know, cut, cutting back to what we were talking about with physical health, physical training, they're just grabbing stuff to try and make the problem go away. So I don't, I'd like to think that people, it's not that they don't care. Will there be organizations that do that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm sure there is. But I would like to sort of think that on the whole, it's more likely just misguidance or... Because the other problem you've got to factor in is I'm independent. So I can say, I won't say what I want because that that would be silly. I'm, if I said what I want all the time, I, I wouldn't, you know, work with other organizations. But if if you imagine, you know, again, if we use the army as an example, you know, if you train somebody like, say, a Lance Corporal to go and do the job that I do, and then there's, you know, sort of like, then, you know, a major or a captain who's like, like, this is what you are doing. Actually, unless you've got a Lance Corporal with, you know, a good backbone to go, no, sir, no, mom, I disagree, then the, 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 the aim that, you know, is still to do the right thing, but mm. it's just misdirected. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's definitely, there definitely will be companies that just say these things and and people and you know again that comes back to my point about fitness marketing. You know where there'll be people call me anytime, day or night. Da, da, da. They haven't got a clue what to do if someone does. Yeah, and they're just kind of like, yeah, mate. I, you know, I, I've seen it mm-hmm. myself where there's people where they've reached out on podcasts even, and then you know, um, people have been like you know, just poo-pooed their comments or whatever, which is, you know, very wrong. So I just want to go back to pretty much when you first asked me uh, at the beginning of this podcast, like why why did I say um, that I, I didn't know how to approach mental health? That's one of the reasons why I I said, look, I'm absolutely clueless about the situation, which is one of the reasons why I didn't want to talk about it is in case someone did want to reach out. It's not like I don't give a shit or like I don't care. It's just that, I, I honestly wouldn't know what to do if someone did. Do you, do you, yeah, I didn't. I don't. I didn't have that framework on how to go forward if someone was to reach out. If we did an episode on mental health, but what you said about having like a framework for like companies that do go into mental health, etc., and have courses, it's you know, like um, I've been made to do quick webinars, etc., on mental health, mental health courses. But exactly what you said, there's no framework to the ones I've done. I'm not saying that you know there aren't some that do have a framework because clearly there are some that are good and do have a framework, but that's one of the major issues is that some of these courses are just throwaway courses, but they don't actually give you a step-by-step or any kind of applicability that you can put into practice for people that are deteriorating in their mental health. 
I think if I was to try and like, not necessarily give you advice, but try and give you some sort of takeaway on that. Yeah. You know what? You can still have, like, for example, if you say to someone, listen, I don't have a clue about this. That's fine. But also, you know, if you can do that and not judge them and, you know, say, okay, let's try and, let's try and get you some help. That is within a very short, that's all you need. And like, yeah, you might need a bit more time to learn how to spot it potentially. Yeah. One thing I'm a big believer in is if you know the person, you know, like, so if you have a client for argument's sake, as long as this isn't a brand new client, you more than likely know them in some way, shape or form. You get to learn about their life. So if, for argument's sake, if they had a breakup, Right. So that again, I'm going. I'm going to. Uh, I'll go deep now, if you will. Um, if they if they've had a breakup, um, if they are a man and they are aged forty to forty nine, um, and you know, depending on their employment status or their how how much social inclusion they might have, they could be a risk for being suicidal. And I know that probably sounds quite scary, um, but. These are things that actually, like, I've had a scenario where a guy told me about being, he was suicidal, and the only thing I said to him, because I noticed him, I didn't know his, I didn't even know his name, but we were just chatting when we we were both in a storage place, because I, I was um, living with my in-laws at the time. His stuff was everywhere. I was like, you know, made a bit of a joke out of it. I said, oh, look, you, you've got a, you know, you've got a bit of a big job on. Notice his age. He he talked about having split up with his wife. Um, he talked about being unemployed. And, you know, he, he, he was saying about how, like, emotionally drained and everything was. All I said to him was, I was like, listen, I cannot imagine how difficult this is for you. Well, the only thing I'm going to tell you is better days are going to come. And he got quite emotional and then told me there and then he was like do you know what thank you so much for saying that um i have been having suicidal thoughts now i realized tom at this point you'd be going oh my god what do i do um but the point of this story is actually hope is dead important knowing what to do next is is important but just being able to say look you might feel like crap now but you you can and you will feel better and that's, you know, that is a fact. And it being able to sort of, like, really explain that. But as I say, as long as you don't judge them and you say, okay, well, let's let try and get them to a GP and whatever else, hmm. that's a really good start, really yeah. good start. And try and access experts, you know, mind, f- find out if there's any, you know, um, local uh, support groups, stuff like that in your area. It's something that actually is massively, seems overly complicated, but it's actually quite simple. People just want to be heard. So just to, exactly that. So just to clarify, the first thing, well, the first thing you would not do is just to say, cheer up, you know, but it's to kind of create that entry point and actually to recognize the issues the person is having, to actually recognize that they are, that their mental health is deteriorating. So just simply by recognize, recognizing it straight away, just showing empathy 
And yeah, mm. bit of an entry point into further discussion from there. You don't just throw away like an end point, throw away term like, oh, just cheer up, get over oh, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus, that, that's like, again, it comes back to that same word. It's lazy. Yeah. It's lazy, you know, to just say, just feel better. But by showing that empathy, you've recognized that something is wrong. And yeah. from there, you could then move move to the next point on the framework, so to speak. Yeah. You know, you just mm-hmm. need yeah. to be mobile. Like, as I say, if you don't judge the person, even if this is entirely their fault, hey, guess what? Not helpful. Not helpful. But it's not brushing it under the rug. Have one thing, you know, and again, this is in the baseline acronym I, I've put together, is be normal. Don't start, like, trying to be all, like, like the cotton wool affying. That's not a word, but there we go. You know, just, like, if, if you go in and you're worried someone's mental well-being you know might be poor at the moment actually just start a conversation if you dive straight mm-hmm. in with hey mate how's your mental health they might be a bit like mm. and and as i said to you before if you're able to be authentic and honest about things that you've been through you're more likely to get that kind of interaction anyway Danny, we'll move on to the next part of the show. So I mentioned this to you off air that we did uh, some listener polls. We did a few questions, see what the results were. And we also asked people to basically DM some of their thoughts. Basically, we had loads of stuff flying in. So it's going to be really good to sort of be able to, to discuss each of these points, basically. They're not all from me and my dummy accounts. No, they're all from you. So we'll go through the, the questions first, Danny, because these are nice, simple questions. Well, I'll say they're not simple, obviously, at all, but in terms of the, the yes or no. So I asked, do you think enough is being done for mental health? I mean, what, what would you say if you were to take a guess? I would say, first thing, we need to change that question to mental ill health. Mental ill, yeah, there you go. There we go, yeah. You know, again, do, do it's, it sounds like, again, and I sound like an absolute whopper saying that, but that's, that is something we yeah. need to think about. Is enough being done? Is enough being done? That's a pretty large question in terms of, yeah. like, you know, on a, are we talking on a national scale? Are we talking on a global scale? The idea is most of the, whenever we do polls, the questions are normally very like vague and one-dimensional, almost to get people's quick reaction without having to think yeah, too much yeah. about it. So, I mean, what would you would you say that most people said yes or most people said no? Right, yeah. Think? If I was to make a guess, I would say people largely would say no. Mm, yeah. Largely. 93%. Say Ni- 93%, 93% of people said yeah. Yeah, 93% said That's no. you and your fucking yeah. clickbait, that's why. Clickbait. <laughs> okay. This next question, though was a little bit uh, not as uh, one-sided. Now, I asked this one. Does your current place of work value your mental... No, I need to change my language now, don't I? It's not mental health. Mental ill health. No, web, mental well-being. Oh, mental well-being. Oh, see, see I'm, I'm working on it, Danny. We're making progress, mate. Get him, on the Get him on the call. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, like anything like this, it's, it's about just thinking, isn't it? It's not... Yeah. You know, it's like, say, if we were talking issues about gender... Like, for example, I, I might not always say the, the right thing in that regard, but I, I'm working on it. I will, you know, I will 100% try and support whoever in that regard. And that's kind of the thing, isn't it? We just got to work on it. Did you see now, Danny, while I wasn't too comfortable with us talking about this previously? <laughs> <laughs> Use of language. <laughs> oh, dear. So do, do they value your mental well-being? Yeah. Um, I reckon you're going to get more negative 
response on this one. Because the thing is as well, is you've got to remember part of the process around this is you need to actually look at the job. So it's great if a business also brings me in to, to do a mental health course or whatever. But for argument's sake, I'll try and think of like the most rubbishest job I can. So if, if your job was to be a full-time, like what we used to have, people used to have to do in Afghan, like burning the, the, um, what's it the called? The shit pits. Yeah. If that was your job full-time and it was like, oh yeah, I haven't got any PPE and I'm doing 12-hour shifts, you know, six days a week, then no matter, you know, if I'm in there like, so this is the best thing that you do for if someone's not, if, you know, it, it, they're not. They're still not going to feel great, are they? Yeah, your conditions aren't good, are they? Uh, so yeah, yeah, I would I would say it's probably more than likely on the negative side. Yeah, so that one wasn't as heavy negative, but it was still 59%. And people said no. Okay. okay. Uh, and then this this questionnaire was, um, there's a few responses which are obviously quite worrying. So I asked, basically, what I, the question I asked was current state of mental health. Obviously now we'd, uh, we'd change that language. But um, the, the options I gave were excelling, thriving, surviving, or struggling. Uh, where would you say the majority of the votes went? Say say them again, the options. So you had excelling, thriving, surviving, or struggling. I'm going to go with majority and surviving. We're in a cost of living crisis. Things are going up. Yeah. You know, we've just come out of a really rubbish time. Uh, that would be my guess. Same. Yeah. So yeah, the, the majority of people were in surviving. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, there wasn't too far thriving and surviving. There wasn't a huge gap. Uh, there was a few down in struggling, though, which is obviously concerning down there. Uh, and then we, we only had like a, a, you know, a very small amount in excelling. Because I feel like to say excelling, you have to feel pretty good. I, I, I find it very hard to find people who would say they're excelling because there's, there's always going to be stuff that there's always going to be stuff going wrong in it. Nobody's life's perfect. Let's be honest; it's very unlikely you're going to find that. Um, but then I'd argue those people potentially could be saying that as a, a way of saying, you know, what, I feel good. I want to feel good. I'm, I'm being positive. Hmm. So who knows? Obviously, we yeah. can't go into all the minds there. And then the big question was: I asked, what should we do to tackle mental health? Which obviously would now be changed, uh, and there's loads here. So, 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 so buckling, Danny. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna use all your professional expertise. Some of these are gonna be quite similar uh, in terms of some of the themes. So, if 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 one of them does sound a bit familiar, we can sort of just you know summarize it. Um, yeah, yeah. First, we're going to open up the conversation about it more. Check in with each other more often. Mm-hmm. I think the the, the checking in bit is good, um, but the only thing we got to remember is we don't want it to become like wallpaper. So what I mean yeah. by that is we don't want it to just be like, I think it's good to do it, but it, for argument's sake, if if you know what's... Co- like, here's an example. If some general's coming around in the army and they say, how's things, troops? People will be like, yeah, live yeah. a dream, sir, when actually yeah. they're literally like, I am dying inside because you know it's going <laughs> to happen. You You know it's coming. So you're just sitting there like, yeah, just leave me alone and go away. And this is no different. So I think, you know, authentic checking in um, that isn't robotic is is great, but we we do need to. And again, I'm not I'm again I'm not digging out say if people have it in their team meetings because what that actually does is it states the intent and the importance of the topic. So while the actual thing 
you might not get a disclosure because let's face it, if it's in a team meeting, someone's going to be like, uh, but then they might come, they might come afterwards and go, do you know what? Actually, I was, I was lying. I'm not having a good time right now, which, you know, again, makes, makes a bit more sense. How would you, um, if you was that general, how would you kickstart the conversation? I mean, would you try and relate straight away and say, guys, I know it's been like a shit week or whatever. How are you guys doing? Obviously, I'm being super simple there, but is there a way you would kind of approach it? Would you have like a framework? I think for me, like if you're a, say if you're a team leader, really does come down to knowing your people. Like, you know, yeah. if you're a leader, it's going to sound a bit cheesy, you know, but it's an honor to be able to lead people. So actually you need to be responsible about it. So part of that honor, if you will, is, is knowing your people. Um, you know, like if you've got someone who's not all that great, actually, or sorry, not up to the standard that you want them to be, well, it's your responsibility to get them to that standard, not to just shout at them and say that they're rubbish. That That's that's you failing your role, in my opinion. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's about knowing your people. And, and, and I think it's just about, it's about having those touch points. I don't mean physical touch points, by the way. Uh, just just to be clear, in case anyone gets uh, sent yeah. to HR because of uh, Chashit Gaffey. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking more like being able to have those little, you know, those like they the call it like water cooler conversations. Those little quiet having having a couple of minutes for for your people, your team, because we we have that time. There's no way, you know. Unless you were a manager that had 100 people in a team, but even that, you're more likely going to have subordinate leading it, leadership that you can then be yeah. like, right, this is this is what I want. This is what I, what, what I want you to do because I'm a big, big believer in leaders should be making more leaders, not just telling people off. So this next one, Danny, this, seems, this one's coming from more of a professional uh, maybe a work-based sort of angle here. And they've put abolish hustle and the grind culture. It's unnatural <laughs> and unnecessary. And to add on to that, they've added a part two, celebrate achievements outside of work slash money. Yeah, I think, you know, this, uh, the, the grind culture is probably the the cousin of, of toxic positivity, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they're, sure. they're in the same ballpark. You know, they're in the, oh, I've got yeah. to be, I've got to be, Got to be busy all the time. Got to be doing no sleep. Stuff. And yeah, it's no sleep. I mean, you know, what one of the big things for me about health and well-being is that, you know, it's the same as when I did commando training. The basics done well. Have enough sleep. Be hydrated. Make sure that you have time for rest and reflection. Physical activity. The, the list could go, go on further, but the, it's... We don't need to be doing y- yoga on a glacier every day in order to make things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. drinking water from Atlantis, or you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't need to, mm. to come down to mm. that. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I, I would, you know, I would agree with the point. It's obviously there's nothing wrong with working hard towards goals, towards whatever you want to do. But mm. again, it, it comes down to that responsibility of either working with other people if you're a, if you're a leader you need to be able to spot if someone in your team's doing too much or whatever else and obviously you know being a friend you, you know you might notice that a person is is a bit 
distracted, a bit too, you know, focused on, on other things when actually, when I say other things, like they can't focus and be present in the moments. Um, yeah, sure. Wh- when you're doing things. I, I think I want to add something you mentioned earlier about the robustness piece as well. When you said about, oh, it's good to work hard, but maybe not obviously hustle grind levels. I think that that point, while I understand what you're saying is I don't think we should say not work hard because you said if you never expose mm-hmm. if you never expose yourself to level of perhaps borderline grind culture, you've never exposed yourself to that level. If it ever does come up, as you said, you've never it's gonna be a shock, isn't it? As we said with the whole gym mm-hmm. thing. If you if you put yourself into a situation you've never even been exposed to minutely, it's gonna hit you harder. So I think we that is that balance, isn't there? You don't we don't want to be at the point where you're hustling, grinding, but you don't want to be at the point where you you're chilling out, having as much time off as you want. And, I, and that's really where the, the thriving part comes in because there's an element of all of the above. There's the, right, do you know what? I am going to graft for the, I've, I've got this graft going on, but I will get the rewards and I will, you know, take the time off to recover from that. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's where I would position the, that's, that's where the thriving piece might be. And then if you're looking at the um, excelling, Actually, the excelling part would be you are doing those things and then you are getting more and more opportunities as a result. In the thriving bit, you might be doing them and you're getting these small steps, but then obviously, yeah, when, you, when you're when um, you excelling is where you're, you're getting the fruits of these labours too. So next one here, this is quite interesting. Have it more accessible in schools and workplaces and, they be put, and the streets. So I'm guessing they just mean just general day-to-day life there, having it more accessible. What is it? Is my question. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. a really good point. Yeah, yeah. What is what is it? What what? To me, what I think would be beneficial. Again, this is slightly tangenty, if you will, but I think trying to help young people understand coping mechanisms, understand like how they they might react in situations. Rather than, you know, again, comes back to that model of discipline. Rather than disciplining, it's more of a coaching piece. Um, like when I, when I was my last role in the army, I would very, you know, I was a PTI and a training regiment, but I would very rarely shout directly at a recruit. It was more of a bellow in general to everybody. Because I would always think, well, if I've done that, I've I've lost my control of the situation, if you will. And you know, again, I've failed that individual because mm. they're doing the wrong thing because I've probably not told them in the right way. But you know, for younger people, it's about trying to have that conversation, you know, with them about, well, okay, that didn't work. You know, that that was the wrong thing to do. Why do you think it was the wrong thing to do? Not just go. This is the wrong thing because of X, Y, or Z. Because at the end of the day, young people are a cocktail of, you know, hormones. Like they, they still haven't got all their coping mechanisms, their emotional responses, and their brains aren't fully formed. You know, like our brains don't mm. fully form pretty much till our mid twenties. So a blank form. <laughs> so a lot of sponges, aren't they? They're like, they're like a sponge. Anything that gets, you have to be very careful of your language. And it's. So positive influence isn't it it's being able to be you know be a good ancestor if you will be someone that they're going to go do you know what i i I would like to be like that person not like oh that person's really harsh on me or they're it's like 
you've got to try and inspire them as well, haven't you? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think talking about these things more, getting them to understand things, but a lot of it comes down to core communication skills and emotional literacy as well. Like young people aren't really taught about that where if they're agitated, they'll just say I'm pissed off or whatever it might be, but actually it's the, what's causing that emotional response in you is what, you know, cause You've got to be able to name it, to tame it. If you can't tell somebody what it is that you're feeling, you know, A, for your sake, if you're in a relationship, that's not something that you can sort out as a friend or partner. Um, and then if you're talking about trying to access support, again, you are not able to access the support maybe that might be there for you because, you know, again, I'd say I'm one of the, who had to learn a lot about that because that was something I wasn't very good at until really probably my late 20s. So starting that younger would, in my opinion, would really help people. But also, you know, again, it comes back to that, like what we were talking about before, the the robustness part, because if we haven't exposed people to challenge or whatever else, then it's natural that things might make them anxious and then that anxiousness might develop into a disorder over time someone else said that point actually um they said educate people on the differences between uh, mental health and general life challenges i think that's kind of just basically what you just said there is yeah knowing the different the difference between the two there's going to be stuff in life that's hard you know um, and sometimes exposing yourself to or you know being in a position where you, you don't embrace it but you accept this is the situation and you sort of work out how to navigate it in the long run, that can help instead of maybe just pinning it all on, okay, I'm, I'm suffering. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing about it as well is is if we haven't had any sort of dialogue with people about... Because the thing is, if a person, to me, like a lot of people say to me when I'm, when I'm working, they're like, a lot of people say shit though, don't they? You know that? Yeah. The first thing I say is, if someone wants to fake something, they'll find a way, no matter what. So mm -hmm. if they're using mental illness at the moment, fine. But, you know, if we were thinking about the military, someone didn't want to run, shin splint. Yeah. Someone didn't want, you know, bad back, whatever it might be. So just because you might find that some people are using mental illness, then, yeah, they might be pulling the wool. But the important mm -hmm. thing about that is... It's sad to think that that's the default answer someone goes to. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and and the the thing is that people don't get that actually is. This is one of those moments where they go, "Oh, didn't think of that." If we were to imagine a team, say there's a team of ten of us, one person goes off sick. Say if if I'm the manager and I'm like, "Do you know what? I want to support all my guys." guys and girls I, I want to i want everyone to feel you know that they can come and talk to me all that type of stuff but then so and so goes off sick maybe this person is a is a person that might do that type of thing whatever and then if we're like so and so was blagging it the other week or so you know what we've done is is we've put a barrier up that we don't realize because then there's somebody in our team who thinks do you know what I know Danny says to come and talk to him, but I'm scared in case he thinks I'm blagging. So what we've done then is we've 
inadvertently created this barrier that people don't want to come across. So if somebody is blagging it, so what? They'll get found out eventually in whatever way, shape or form that they would be found out. But actually, do we not think that there's many more people who hide being mentally ill than actually would fake it? So, you know, the whole detective piece is something that we really need to start actually like having dialogue about and saying, well, yeah, somebody might do it, but actually many, many more people hide it. Mm. So what do we want to try and do? And don't create a stigma behind it and create that barrier. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly as you just said, yeah. It's it's like with, there's so many things that people don't understand, the little barriers they put out. Like without going off on too much of a tangent, one of the big ones is when someone, if somebody's taking their own life um, and then people call them selfish, which I, I, I get. I get the mechanics of why they might think that. But the problem is, is we've got to, again, if we look at the barrier that creates, is the barrier that creates, who, like, you know, show of hands over the three of us, who would like to be considered as a selfish person? No one. Exactly, yeah. So if you're having thoughts about taking your own life and then you'd be considered selfish for telling people that, are you going to want to talk about it? Hmm. <laughs> Likely not. So the more we go down this road, the more actually, or sorry, the, the less people would want to talk about it. But the other thing is, is for many people who are suicidal, they actually believe that people will be better off without them. Genuinely believe that, irrespective of whether they are or you know whether they're not. They that they, they genuinely believe that. So how can we actually say it's selfish when they genuinely believe they're doing other people a favor? It's really interesting that it kind of makes me think of that whole sort of train of thought people sometimes have of oh, why didn't they just talk to someone? Why did they not just speak up? And it's like, well, maybe they just people are just naive to this. Well, maybe not naive, but they're just unaware of these barriers that the people are potentially putting up as a society because of the language we're using. Because the way you just put it there, I'm just thinking, yeah, this is yeah. this is pretty common for the things people say, um, and that's perhaps why some people aren't coming forward because of these barriers people are unaware of. It's honestly like. There's so many of these little mini barriers out there that mm. it, it's it, add up. It's yeah. ludicrous to be quite honest with you. But the the point I would make about it though is is if you actually have some dialogue with somebody who understands the topic, you can really you can affect a good bit of change quite quickly, really. Because at, like you guys have just said there, you go, oh, didn't think about it like that, you know, and mm-hmm. it kind of. It, it changes the, your lens on it. Oh, the penny drops, yeah. It's not to say that you'd have said someone was selfish before, but now you would think, well, that's definitely the wrong thing to say. Do you know what? The more we have this conversation, the more it... <laughs> I don't know about you, Bill, but there's been plenty of... In the past, fucking hell, in the past nearly two hours, there's been plenty of moments where the penny has dropped. It's like, actually, this sounds all very familiar to when we talk about things like pain science, etc., and the nocebic information that gets put out there. And yes. how, without even yeah. realizing it, even though people might be well intentioned, actually, they're mm-hmm. creating barriers. Now, obviously, yeah, I'm talking about in the context of barriers to exercise and what actually might influence pain, etc. But the more you've spoke about it, Danny, the more actually this is all, the jigsaw kind of fits together. And a lot of this kind of, it pretty much goes off the same kind of uh, 
the same kind of framework as yeah mental health and mental well-being people people tend to we build a picture up from what we've heard previously don't we you know like in in a general rule of thumb so yeah we look at things like say say if you you your parent has an opinion on something like politics is a good example say if your parent has an opinion quite often you might have a similar opinion like if a parent like i don't know supports a specific team you might do the same and mm. this is how these messages get passed down because people are just influenced by your surroundings and your social circles and everything they, don't, else. they never question it they just sort of go yes okay and then that to them then is is gospel truth it's the default it's the default setting and if there's no one to say actually that's not correct or mm. have you have you thought about that because that's the big thing isn't it when we actually think about a lot of these things they don't make sense no you know they, these like sort of myths and you know perceived facts they just don't make sense it's funny how just open up a little bit of discourse around it and provide a little bit of critical thinking, everything starts to kind of make a lot more sense as opposed to our original biases and beliefs. I absolutely, and, that, and that's why I said I like working with the, like, I, I love all of the clients I work with, of course, um, but I find the the ones where they're probably, it's, it's because arguably as well, they're the populations that need it most. You know, so if, if we're having this conversation where, like, you think, say, um, a like a construction environment, and people are stoic, aren't. beans and toast, like, yeah, like iron wheeled, arms crossed. They're, they're, they're the at risk groups as well, yeah. And that's where you, you know, again, it makes sense why males age forty to forty nine might be the highest risk group for you know death by suicide because the way they interact, they mm. like they are much more likely to say man or get on with it yeah yeah it's a never-ending loop and they've had years and years and years of this culture so it's not like say i'm 35 um obviously yeah when i joined the army it was about warfare and not welfare so to speak but you know i've still had come into this reasonably late if you will I, i was already an adult um so to speak but they're like 15 20 years older than me with all that extra time and what you know so again it makes sense because that's how they it's unfortunate and it can be changed but it does make sense look at a few more of these responses then so this one looks quite close to something you're saying there's removing shame normalizing struggle and boundaries there's always more to be done i think i would pick up on the boundaries point Mm. because i think we Especially, you know, British people, we have this thing about saying no, where you, you feel like you're, you know, not failed, but, you know, you feel like yeah. you've, well, it's weird, isn't it? It doesn't even make sense. I can't even articulate what you feel like, but it, it's it's not the done thing, so to speak, a lot of the time. Um, and especially within work, you know, because people feel like, oh, well, if I don't do this, I'll, that people might feel like I can't cope, which... Again, it, it, it's not true, but that's like, for example, when it comes to work, a lot of it as well is about knowing yourself. If I had to just do emails all day, I'd, I would die. I would straight up, like, <laughs> that would be the end of, like, no matter what, I try my best 
even with corporate clients, to just talk to them on the phone and confirm over email. It's a very, like, probably a very military way of doing things. Um, because I know, like, well, I say maybe not so much now, but I know, like, you know, when the internet was first, like, getting used properly in emails, everyone just rang each other and then you'd go, oh, we better send an email about this. Show my age a little bit there. But, like, you know, obviously, big flip now, isn't it? Like, everything's done over email. Um, but my point is, is I know that that wouldn't be good for me, but for some people, they will be in a role that they may be not suited to at all. And it, it's not like, oh, I need to leave my job, but there might be something else that you could do that might fit you and your personality better. Um, and there might not be. So it might be better to look for a new job, but at least knowing that is is really helpful and beneficial. Speaking of work, actually, I'm going to read this. They put a um, quite a long response. So we had quite a few responses in terms of uh, people DM as well. So bear me on this one. It's a bit of a long one. Um, so they've put, as a student, sometimes the talk of mental health is there, but the action is not. Constant pressure to do more instead of addressing stress. I've had professors just do polls on stress. Cool. Now, now you know that we're all stressed. What now? Working in research as a student, not getting paid. Experiments come before health. Being told it just depends on how much I can tolerate stress. It's the expectation. People in my lab have worked back to back seven days a week, uh, 12 hour plus days, all for the sake of research. I get it, but also what the fuck. And previously working as a resident care aide, mental health in that setting is poor. People are sick. They depend on you. You're overworked. People die. Guilt trips, guilt trips to working more, understaffed, undervalued. I've done several jobs and the theme is always the same. Right, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, a lot to unpack. Yeah. I literally bet you just took the words out of my mouth, yeah. <laughs> I think I would start off by talking about the care thing. Um, you know, obviously, like, my dad is in a form of care, like sheltered, sheltered living. And I think it's difficult because, I mean, unfortunately, it's like a lot of things. Um, it's like upside down the way in which we pay people for the services, you know, like that's obviously that a lot of those things is stuff where actually I, w I would not be very good at doing that personally. Um, like, and it, it's not about like not being able to do the care. I just know I'd be better doing other, other things. Um, but unfortunately for whatever reason, it's not well, a well rewarded, um, job often. And again, this, this is just me speaking in generalizations now. I think. That's unfortunately something that that would be very, very difficult for us to address within the scope of, yeah. of, of, the, of this discussion. I yeah, think. for sure. Uh, but it, I, one thing I would say is I, I, I agree that there's work to be done on it. Um, and that's realistically, that comes down to people who run these establishments. Um, I think coming back to the education side of things, it's very difficult because I suppose you know, a little bit like what we were talking about earlier, it's like trying to fit, like if there is a set criterion that they need to do, I mean, I would hope that this criterion isn't getting broader to the, so um, they, they've um, not had the physical chance to do it. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know why you would do a, a poll from the professor's angle on, yeah. on stress and do nothing about it. That, that just seems a little bit like that greenwashing that we were talking about. Yeah, earlier. ticking a box. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, you know, in that scenario, I suppose it it's very, very, very difficult in, you know, for the student's point of view. 
Uh, one thing I would say is I know from a lot of federal education organizations that they kind of seem to have, they do have like groups and, um, you know, like diversity and inclusion groups and like support as in not a support group as in groups that are kind of like interest groups, if you will, you know, like, so the, the mental well-being of the students, um, group, if you will. I think my, my advice, or not necessarily advice, but my thoughts would be probably if there is one of those things, it's worth trying to contact them. The thing is, is what's changed in this course for, for this to have, have been an issue would be something I would be trying to address as well. I think it, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances, but I think the underlying thing, obviously, because it is a very highly contextualized example and obviously trying to stay within the, the borders of what we're talking about. I think the underlying thing would be, you know, if possible to, to have the dialogue with the professors and try and find out if there is a different way of doing this, because mm -hmm. th there might be a different way. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I can't sit here and say that there will, but there, there might be other ways that could be more suitable and, and helpful for that individual. But as I say, it's quite difficult within the boundary, but I don't want to yeah. also not go into the question, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. It was quite a specific, wasn't it? So we've got another one here. Danny, this one's actually more of a military-specific example, okay? So uh, this is them sort of talk about their thoughts on how we can improve mm -hmm. things basically going forward. Um, they put, sadly, it's often an afterthought, and I suppose that's largely to do with the intangible nature of it. How do you know an initiative has had a positive effect well outside of your subjective metrics? You don't, you can't tell, and so it's easy for people to lose sight of the value initiatives that are available. You often see units taking action after an event, but how often do you see them being consistently proactive? And they said, I've seen it get to the stage that people get tired of banging on about the value of positive mental health in the workplace. And as a result, people just stop. The courses I have delivered to military personnel have to be voluntary attended, but I think it should be mandated for all people in a management position. Um, I think one thing I would say is, again, this is a bit of a difficult one. I think some units do do, you know, a consistent thing, if you will. Um, you know, because I get approached by units to work with them, you know, so that that's comes down to that sort of like what we were talking about earlier, like what, what, for what purpose is this, is this actually what, you know, if we were to use the, the army terminology, like what's the main effort and what's the main objective of, of this, um, you know, is it, as you say, the, the tick box side of things, or is it, is it to actually try and support I think from from an outsider's point of view, the military are taking steps. Um, mm -hmm. One way that they that can benefit would maybe be that that training piece. I do think that that because again, from what I understand of their current offering, um, that there is there is a slight gap there because they they did do mental first aid training and then they changed their approach to it for, for whatever reason and as a result i don't know if that newest again it's hard for me to comment because when i was in, in in the military there wasn't anything really the point they made danny was generational differences as well yeah they said there's, there's also that piece involved especially in the military setting as you, i think you mentioned a few times there's a huge generational gap with different mindsets i think yeah, there is that. But again, the problem is, is who they get to do the training. So if you've got <laughs> yeah. like 
if you've got a load of troop commanders and majors, troop commanders, captains, majors, sergeant majors, that's good, but the bots on the ground that need it are the lance corporals and corporals, because they're the people who are there and with people more. Um, so it's, it, and, and I say this to, you know, civilian organizations as well. It's not necessarily just about the, the person that their person's role or their title. It's, it's about trying to factor in who are they going to see, you know, cause say if you were like, right, we got someone in HR, HR do need this type of thing, but actually if it was choice between the HR and then the the manager who works with 30 people every day, then there's falls and against on both sides there. Yeah. Um, and for what, unfortunately, at times, and this is all organizations, this is not just the military, this is all organizations, we can fall into a trap of just going down the, this is your role, or even, oh, you will be good at this, and you're a, you're a, an LE officer or whatever, which then leaves the gap of, well, if that LE officer is, you know, like a typical ex-sergeant major, are they the most approachable person maybe? Yeah. <laughs> not always. Yeah, sure. Not always. <laughs> that, you know, that's inevitable. Um, and that's not me digging out LE officers. It's just factual information. If you've been a sergeant major before, particularly an old and bold sergeant major, you might not be the most the, the most approachable person. Sometimes people up quite a few times, not in the exact same way, but in different sorts of uh, different ways, is that understanding that it's a, it's a spectrum. There's different levels and people suffer differently. I think it was something we alluded to, wasn't it, how the whole thing of trauma, et cetera, it's all very subjective. How we feel is very subjective. Um, I mean, th there's a model that we use um, when we're talking about this, um, and it's a continuum as opposed to a spectrum because a spectrum would mean there's one end and another. Whereas sure. if we think about the axis, if it was only, well and unwell there's there's a lot of gray bits there where you know yeah that's is, what I meant yeah it's not it's not simple it's not simple as that is it yeah. whereas we can if we split it into like say four groups we can have diagnosis no diagnosis maximum and minimum minimum well-being slash fit mental fitness if you will so if we think about it in that way actually it's there's a bit more movements and there's a bit more well of saying okay because you know, just because you get it's a, a lot more individualized. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is a lot of people believe that yeah, you have you get a diagnosis, and then it's like pims o'clock, right? I'm I'm sorted. I'll be I'll be great. But actually, that can be a. The first thing is, you know, has anyone been misdiagnosed with anything in medicine in the past? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, so that diagnosis might not necessarily be correct. But B, you know, if you're not getting any better and you're like, well, I've got this diagnosis, I've got this this medication, I've like, why why am I not getting any better? I'm doing my my fitness that that per, that PT said that I've got to go and do because that'll make me well again. I'm not getting any better, so actually now I feel worse about myself again. It's it. How can I put it? If we had those four boxes of well slash or, or sorry. Diagnosis, no diagnosis, and and feeling good slash not feeling good. We could have a thousand other mini boxes in all of those little quadrants too. But the point is, is just because we feel bad one day doesn't mean we're always going to feel bad. Uh, we've got a couple more going to Danny. 
this one's interesting. So this is something I actually touched on earlier. Uh, it's a double barrel there. So I'm not doubting that people are having problems. And without trying to sound too cynical, it's all of a sudden become the go-to reason slash excuse for anything. Um, looking after, so continued on to that, looking after themselves, better exercise, walking, speaking to friends can help. But there's a large victim mentality at the minute. Victim, victim mentality. Well, mm. I would, I would have to challenge that though. Is like, who is, is that everyone? Like, am I a victim? I was talking about not being like ha- having bad times. Like, who are these victims? Mm. I think that's a very overly simplistic view of this topic. Um, we've already, you know, discussed, yeah, there might be people who might, um, um, disingenuous about it, but. We've also established that there's a lot of people that suffer in silence, you know, so I would, I would definitely challenge that. Uh, and I would say in terms of the victim bit, th- this is where the, the education part comes in, but not just education, so to speak, but like, I'm I, a firm believer that we have the ability to feel better. And yeah. I feel like that's quite an empower, empowering thing. To remember that, do you know what? I might not feel good now, but actually the, there are things that I can try and do to, to change my state. You know, the power's in my hands. It's not like I'm being... Some of the worst times I've I've felt some well. I can, I can pimple. Why? These things are, you know, it's not that I was a victim. I was just, I was just in a bad space. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You can be, I'm a human. I can, I can do things that aren't, as helpful as others in in that space. End of the day, someone's mental well being is their personal experience, Absolutely. and uh, you know a third party can't really tell you how you react to that personal experience. Yeah, because somewhere like you know, you say, "Oh, I don't know what I feel a bit rubbish," you know, and I just go, "No, you're not." <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I've had a bigger trauma, so you can't be sad, etc. Yeah. Oh, well, and and that's something you know, people think it's a competition. I've had people mm. before say, hey, um, I feel like I've got this person in my department. I don't know why they're off. Sally in, in such and such a department, her husband died last year. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. but And that is terrible, but yeah. that, that's not relevant. Do you know to what? Relating this back to what we were saying about pain science, and it kind of overlaps here, you know, if I've got two fake but you once had your leg amputated just because you've had your leg amputated doesn't mean my toothache's going to go away. <laughs> it doesn't make me yeah. feel any better. And it doesn't mean that my tooth doesn't hurt as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. It's absolutely. a personal experience. One thing I think is very important for us to talk about, actually one of the points that that person made was like, I believe what you said there, Bill was um, like nowadays, this seems to be a common the first bit said it's all of a sudden become the go-to reasons as excuse for anything or there's a large victim mentality at the minute so as in like now and this sort of yeah one thing i would also say is with awareness becomes awareness so what that means is inevitably if we are more aware and more people are talking we will have it's going to be a bigger thing it's it's Mm -hmm. cause and effect it's it's very obvious now you know something that i'm i'm very like passionate about is when people say oh this is this didn't happen 20 years ago i'm like yes you know why because more people would kill themselves Mm. like statistically more people killed themselves like 20 odd years ago than they do now and people can't grasp that fact 
So, yeah, we didn't hear about it. Because you'd hear about it when it's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's taking their own way. And then we're wondering why. (laughs) But the other thing is, what would you rather? Would you rather have a culture where more people talk? Even if, yeah, there might be some people who might talk about stuff that you think, well, well, that's not a big deal. If it's a big deal for them, it's a big deal for them. Perception is reality at the end of the day. If you perceive it to be a big deal for you, then it is a big deal. You know, would we rather that or would we rather just, oh, yeah, so-and-so has has killed himself? And that's what people don't seem to understand is, is we can't have it all. We can't have, like, only the people who are completely in a, in a dire state. Because, again, do we want people... Do we only want people who are in a dire state to talk? Or would it be better if someone talks when they're not feeling great, not feeling, they're not feeling like they want to die, and then we can have a conversation about it rather than, oh, I've been suffering with this for months and years and whatever, and then eventually they come out with it? Like, what? I suppose my question would be, what, what do you want? We'll finish one more, Danny. Now, this the reason I'm going to read this one out is it's quite it's quite a long one. Uh, so bear with me. It's only because I appreciate this person's been very open with their with their struggles. I know I'm not going to name who they are. They've been open with it. I know I know they wouldn't mind me sharing this because they've been open with it themselves in the past. But we'll we'll go into it. And I just want to make it a point that this is from someone who's from across the pond. Okay, so we can only some of the points made will be specific. So in terms of like financial thing, it's obviously specific to their situation um, across there. But I'm aware we've obviously got a lot of listeners stateside. So. This is a near and dear topic to me. Honestly, I don't even know what to fix, but to start, we need more accessible and cheaper programs to provide incentive to go. We need more professionals that don't cost an arm and a leg to go see. From a first responder site, yes, go make one. I reckon if it's a really long one, let's just break it down as we go. Yeah, go for it, yeah. I'll break I'll break it down into each paragraph. So so I totally agree. And that is one of the one of the biggest barriers for people seeking help is the amount of time in between you know like okay i've not been feeling great okay you might be able to see a counselor on the nhs which has been even more challenging due to face-to-face stuff with covid but um yeah one of the biggest barriers might be that you might not be able to see someone for xyz amount of months so i, I think that that is you know i would back it 100 percent um and i think that it is it's a, a thing that we need to factor in in terms of, and, and again, this comes back to the brands, you know, like we want to be able to provide therapy because that way then someone comes and they're like, listen, I'm not in a good place. Cool, no worries. We, we can get you some therapy. That That's the, you know, because that is, that's a, a very clear and obvious barrier. And, and obviously having that initial point of contact to talk to as well. Uh, they've gone to say, so from a first responder side and the civvy side, mental health should be approached pro- proactively versus reactively. Why should uh, why should you have to wait for a crisis to go and seek help? It should almost be standard for a family GP to ask about the state of one's mental health, start asking those questions, finding the clues and cues of how one is doing. Yeah, you know, again, I couldn't agree more. But I think that that can start at home too. You know, like, a lot of the time, if we think about, say, if someone's acting differently, it, it's easy for us to be like that they they've changed, or it's like a, a character defect for them, rather than saying why are they different, what what has happened, like wh- why is this happening? You know, it's a really simple question, isn't it? Really, why is this happening? Um, rather than being like almost, 
as I say, it's the easy thing to do of like, so, so it's their fault. You know, it's okay. Like, have I done something or is it that something else has happened is, is my sort of thoughts on that. It ties in with the last point though, is if GPs only get to see somebody when they're in a real bad way, then it, it also is quite problematic in terms of trying to identify that too. Was that the whole thing you said earlier, the analogy of the, the building on fire, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, that, exactly and that, that, it? that's the way we're approaching it at the minute. It, it, it is definitely like, oh man, no, I totally wish that building wasn't on fire. That would have been so much better if it wasn't, right? Let's try and put it out rather than be like, right, let's make sure there's, you know, fire doors and blah, 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 you know, sprinklers, et cetera. And that's what our, our you know, well-being toolkit is, isn't it? That's our physical activity. That's our sleeping off, drinking water, you know, having good food, et cetera, et cetera. So this next part then, this is kind of more their experience and their, maybe their advice for how to potentially approach people. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Danny. So uh, when I had my suicide attempt, I showed tons of warning signs. I expressed feelings of worthlessness. I distanced myself from relationships. I shut down from things I enjoyed, but I was too damn scared withdrawn to say anything. If it's one thing any suicide survivor or someone who has a mental health concern will say is that we just want uh, even just one person to ask, are you okay? Even if just one person to offer their support, it helps us feel heard. It helps us feel seen. But when you're in a spiral, you physically cannot find the words nor the energy to ask for help or express these things. It's much easier to just shut down. And this is what I was talking about earlier, wasn't it? You know, like the putting it all on them, right? You you come and tell me, you know, we need to yeah. be able to, like, I, I'm a firm believer that um, the risk factor, knowing the risk factors of suicide is paramount. But, like, an analogy I, I like to use with people is, a lot of the time, like, someone would be scared to say, are you having suicidal thoughts? Because they'd be afraid of, you know, what would come back at them if the person says yes. The way I would describe it, it would be like, Imagine, you know, I, I can tell you for an absolute unequivocal fact, when if, if you're out in, in, in theatre like Afghanistan um, and your job is looking for IEDs, if you found an IED, it is hundreds times better than looking for one. So it having a known known, like, right, there is something there that could blow up. Okay, we can deal with that. We can take measures to try and stop that from happening. Fear of the unknown. Yeah. But if if we don't know, that's way, way worse. And that's mm. the same in this scenario. It's much better for us to know that somebody might be having those thoughts than to not know and then find out in another way. That And, yeah. and you know, that's kind of the way for us to, to try and think about it. And one thing I want to say, actually, quickly circling back to what the person said, I think it's worth thanking them for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's it's something that... It's quite funny. You know, I, I delivered a course the other week. I won't, I won't say exactly where, but um, I, I delivered a course another week. Again, quite an industrial environment. And straight away, half of the people and half, half of the people in this room talked about having had either suicidal thoughts or made an attempt at suicide and that was straight away um after obviously i just talked about my experiences but then everybody was like whoa you know like and the first thing i said was like did anybody know any of that and everyone was like no and th that's the power of just 
given that little bit of permission, yeah. given that given that vulnerability to others. And again, I, I like to use military metaphors. I, I I hold it back quite a bit when I'm when I'm doing my normal work because you know it's um, it's one of them where they'd be like, oh, we just talk about the army all the time, but it's kind of part of what what we're talking about today. But if we think about like say if, if we were you know doing a room clearance if you will you know the the commander whether that be section commander whoever they often go first you know the gra- the grenade would go in and then the leader goes first the leader puts themselves on the line to say it's okay you can do this watch me there we go and then you know the the remain the remainder of the team will follow and this is the same thing you know if you show it's okay you know, it's it's all well and good saying it's okay not to be okay, but if you don't talk about it, what you're actually saying is is you're okay not to be okay, but I'm not quite sure myself. Yeah. And that's kind of the way we have to look at it. Kind of like leading by example, you can show your own vulnerabilities. Yeah. Which absolutely. Then opens the door almost. Makes complete sense. Makes complete sense, yeah. Yeah. Um so before we wrap up, Danny, I wanna just if anyone's out there listening potentially who may be having some thoughts themselves or they know someone, maybe they've seen some signs, where would you sort of point these people? Where, where would you lead them to? We had Becca on a couple of weeks ago. When we asked her this question, she recommended Mind. I'm not sure what you're dealing with with them, but where would where are the sort of places you'd, you'd recommend people would check out? What I would say is there's, there's a fantastic resource called the Hub of Hope. Um, and you just, you know, you could Google it, Hub of Hope. And what it does is you can give your geographic location and the thing that you're dealing with. And there's quite a, you know, quite a wide scope of things within that. So you could say like, say for instance, me, if I was like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm veteran and I have like, for, and again, this isn't me. I'm just going to use an example. So uh, a veteran issues with uh, homelessness and substance misuse or something like that. What then is it'll triangulate the things that are in your area that can be useful for you to access. And so it's very regional. It's not just like as broad brush. Um, things like Mind are fantastic because there's a lot of good information and there are a lot of local things there. But I do I'm a, a big advocate that knowing what's in your area is 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 important. You know, like I, I do a lot of work with a place, um, you know, just down the road from where I live called the Martin Galliard Project, which is a, a suicide prevention center. And, you know, I, I would I would stick my neck on the line and say probably one of the, without, well, without a doubt, it's got to be up there with one of the best services within the country for dealing with that. And it's growing all the time and whatever else. So the fact that I know that that's there, I can, I deal with, people talking to me about this topic quite a lot I, you know i'm a bloke i talk about this this stuff quite a bit so i do get people making disclosures and and you know i'm glad they do that but it, for me it makes my life so much easier because i can be like right this is what we need to do um you know irrespective of like you know i've got the skills to have the conversation but the the life-saving steps and if you're really worried one thing i would always say is you can call the emergency services. If you think the person's going to hurt themselves um, and you're not comfortable, don't be afraid to do that because actually, no matter who you are, that's part of the scope of, of their work. Um, you know, it's not like 
me doing, you know, mental health first aid that I could pull this t-shirt off now and there's a big M for mental health first aid that I can then save the world from mental illness. It's it, at times I, I might have to do that. Um, so yeah, they, they, might, they, they would be my go-tos without a doubt. Try to know what's in your area. Um, and but the hub of hope would be a really good way of steering yourself to that. Yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave that um, linked down the show notes, guys. If anyone's uh, interested, recommend checking out. Just it's good just to have there. Maybe have it as a bookmark, even just so it's always there. You know, at least you know it's always there. You can always remind yourself I mean, that it's available. I've just if I've checked it now. It. It's super easy to use, and within twenty seconds, I'll put my details in. Uh, yeah, it's listed all my local areas. So yeah, and it. But it, the thing is, well, you might notice, Tom, is it's things that. They're either specific, but it's things that you might not know about. You know, like there might be things where, like, for example, there's a thing in Liverpool for um, for addiction, the soldiers. It's called Tom Harrison House. Very specific thing. Um, where I live, uh, again, without going to, the, but like where I live, there's a thing called the Paul Lavelle Foundation, which is about male domestic abuse victims. So, again, it's quite specific. Very specific, even yeah. though go and get that support from there um so it's not just like as broad brushes uh, as as you might think because it does have those specific mm. services yeah okay guys i think we'll wrap it up there daniel i want to say massive thank you for you know for spending your evening with us it's been, i'm fully aware it's been a much longer podcast than uh than usual but i thought you know i don't want to rush anything it's just this topic i think it deserved needs- the attention that it got yeah for, absolutely yeah um i'll leave all your details down below if people want to check out in the dead ground Awesome. Especially, I'd definitely recommend checking that out. And I'm sure we'll be speaking again because, um, yeah, pretty good I mean, um, what I will say is it's very rare in one of our her podcast episodes where I just take a back seat, I shut the fuck mm. up, and I listen. Uh, yeah. For me to have done that today, obviously, it shows that for two and a half hours as well. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing good work. Well, Danny. That. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that was really awesome. And considering. Consider once again, going back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast, is that I originally tackled mental health, not not that I didn't care. It was just that I, I honestly didn't know how to approach it, which is why I just did not, I, I did not ever talk about it because I didn't know how to deal with it. But here I've kind of got key things I can take away from this. And actually the surprising thing is that it can just simply be as simple as just offering your ear to someone. Honestly, you, know? you wouldn't believe... Cause- in our efforts to fix things, what we can actually do is stop listening because we're like, you you think, what would help me in this scenario? But you're not them. So yeah. just, just going, right, get it all out. And then we can go, okay, what do you want to do? Like, like, what we, you know, like what we would do if you were, you know, coach or what do you want to do about it? Okay, well, let, let's do that. I mean, I'm not expecting to like solve everyone's issues within like, uh, you know, a five minute chat, but just simply creating that slight entry point. Once again, this kind of goes, ha- now that I've con- kind of relate this to pain science, everything just kind of makes sense to me now in a weird kind of way. Just like, uh, you know, if if someone was in pain during training, I wouldn't stop the exercise altogether. It would just be finding that entry point as little as it may be. And in regards to mental health, that entry point could simply be, how are you doing, mate? How's it going? Yeah. You know? I mean, what was it you said uh, earlier on, Danny, that one sh- show of uh, empathy to that that man when you said, what was it you said to him? It's going to get better or something like that? Yeah. Think, uh, you know, no matter how bad it is now, thing, yeah. you know, things will get better. That simple line 
could have potentially saved that man's life. And it was, it was that simple, that simple. So, yeah. And you could build on it from there. And and that's it. it you know, we just want to open the dialogues, don't we? That's the, the key thing is opening dialogue. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Danny. Uh, I'm sure we'll speak again very soon. It's been a pleasure as always, guys. Uh, and we'll see you on the next one. Danny, thanks very much for coming on. See you later, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.